Hey guys, welcome to CMD Tower's very first episode of Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Combo number five, and my fellow host is the one and only Big Tuck. Hey, Mr. Combo, how you doing? Oh man, I'm all right. It's, it's, a com- a- it's Combo Esquire, right? No, it's Mr. and you better get it right. Okay. We first want to say thanks for listening to our podcast, and this was only able to happen by our awesome producer, Squee McGee. Squee, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great, gentlemen. How are you boy. doing today? Oh, I'm pretty You're good. Great. You're looking great, Squee. <laughs> oh, thank you. I Just looking fantastic. He's got the man bun. If you guys can imagine Jared Leto with even more tattoos, dead on. <laughs> I love it. It's a great look. It's a great. It's I'll a, take the compliment. It's I a high. It's it. a high compliment. He's very um, handsome. And his production company, Rich Chaos Records, here in sunny, albeit hot as balls, Kansas yeah. City. What was it? Ninety-eight is what my yeah. Said? N- Ninety-eight. It was uh, ninety too much. How? Are, <laughs> how are you wearing jeans? Is a real question. Aren't uh, you just warm? My legs are very cool. My upper body sweats like a hippopotamus. I don't know if that's actually accurate. Please don't roast me for my inaccurate wildlife facts. How that works. So you're probably wondering why there's another EDH podcast out there on the interwebs. And it's really because for a living, I drive all across the state of Kansas, which is so beautiful since my sarcasm. It's pretty flat. Once you get out of the city between like here and Denver, it's just nothing. And you'd think you'd see corn, but there is no corn. It's just flat. It's just flat. And I listen to some of the best podcasts out there religiously because I'm probably in the car 30 hours a week. Like MTG Commander Smith's Command Zone, EDH Retcast, CMDR Central, just to name a few of them. And I noticed that a lot of the times, like our team at CMD Tower and uh, even our play group here in Kansas City, we have very different opinions than everyone else. So I figured let's kind of infect the minds of uh, other EDH players with our weird and funky brews. Yeah, so Brews and Builds is going to be our deck tech series here. It's really going to be diving into the decks. Combo, you have, what, 40? No, you have 28 now? Yeah, yeah, tw- 26, 28, 28 yeah. there. So, and I have 40, uh, going on 42. And we were both shooting, kind of take this path to 32 decks. So there's 32 color combinations, including colorless, which we'll get into at some point. Um, and we thought we'd just kind of talk about one of the color combinations. Uh, we have, I, I think we have a few colors that match up. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I, but like they're wildly different decks. Absolutely. So yeah. So that way we can kind of stretch this out um, and talk about each of them. But we thought we'd do a little, we kind of do something a little different on it. So Mr. Combo, how many beers do you think you drink a week? Uh, that would be zero because that is horse piss. Okay. Uh, and what's your favorite beer? I actually do have a favorite, believe it or not, <laughs> but it's only because it's a local brewery. Wait, and, I think, and I think I'm one of those kind of hipsters that's into anything local, even though if you looked at me, you would think I'm a uh, preppy jock guy. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, it'd, be several, it'd be several beers from Boulevard Brewery here in yeah. Kansas City. But for the most overarching part, I hate beer with a passion. Uh, and for those playing the home game, I am wearing a uh, Boulevard beer hat this very day. Uh, so anyways, um, and last question along these lines is, how much do you know about like the beer making process? Do you know how it's made? Uh, I, I really don't. I assume that you, f- you find a large farm animal, <laughs> you wait for it to use the restroom, and, and then you just bottle it. And then you just bottle it. It's done. Have you ever seen that movie uh, Kingpin? About uh, bowling? I have not. Okay, there's a scene where like the guy goes, hey, I just finished milking the cow, and he's like drinking from the pail, <laughs> and they go, oh, uh, we only have a bowl out there, so. And you know, I feel like this is really feeding into the stereotypes that people from Kansas are all about farm stuff. I promise you, we're not. That is bad. That was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was we, a time. We, we so anyways, fed it. So, um, I'm actually an amateur home brewer. 
It's one of my favorite hobbies outside of playing Magic, obviously. So what we thought would be fun and educational for those out there who are interested in that sort of thing too, is to kind of break this down like we would a beer. So there's pretty much four ingredients that go into every beer. And one of them we're not really talking about because it's water. Pretty straightforward there. Then there's your grains, which is kind of like your base. It kind of develops a beer and the color and the flavor and everything. Then there's your hops, which is where you get your bitter profile from. And then lastly is the yeast, which is the active ingredient that creates a fermentation, makes beer bubbly, gives it its alcohol content. Yeast actually eats sugar and poops out CO2 and alcohol. So to some extent, it is an animal byproduct of this hey, microorganism. I, I knew I knew something out there. So um, and then finally, every beer that is brewed, you can kind of add something to make it unique. Um, whether that be some spices, or if you're having like a chocolate stout, you know, some cocoa nibs or coffee, coffee porter, you put in coffee beans, that sort of thing. So we kind of sat down together and thought that we could make this into a way that we could organize our cards that might be a little different. Yeah, and, and basically what we really wanted to do is we didn't want to just do a deck tech series that's just what everyone else, and yet, and that was a beer. That is a bush light. That is not a good I beer. I know. I uh, <laughs> I just finished. I have I, to disagree. That's delicious. I've been drink, I drank so many of them this like float trip a week ago. So I just finished an Evil Twin Brewing Even More Jesus. So it literally what it's called. <laughs> and uh, it was a pint imperial stout. Uh, it was pretty good, but it was also, I was I tasted pretty boozy. And yeah. I'm just now reading it was 12%. All right. Uh, ABV. So there you go. Trying to mellow out a little bit. So anyway. Well, well, so what we really try to do is break the deck tech process down into a brewing process. So so like Big Tuck just kind of said, the way I, I we kind of discuss this is the way you always start every game. Um, it's ramp and getting your board state set, which we kind of really related to the green bill. And then the next one was, how does your board interact with the rest of the board? You know, it's not how you win the game. It's just kind of that intermediary in between getting your board state set and just making sure your player to your left or your right just doesn't ramrod you. That's kind of what that hot profile is. (laughs) That's great. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm just with the analogies all day. Uh, and then the, the the next one would be, how does the deck actually close out and win? That's yeast. And, and that's yeah. something that, listening to these podcasts, our playgroup has expanded from three people now up to 12 to 15 yeah, people it's gotten every really big Sunday. Us, so. um, and, and I see, it, and hey, me and Big Tuck have this issue too, to where we play a deck and... Someone will be like, well, how do you win? And it's like, well, I don't really I don't know. know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we want to talk about how do you actually close out and win with our, with these decks? Yeah. And then definitely. finally, the last one, I call it shenanigans. Yes, I know there's a card that's printed as shenanigans. <laughs> Just printed, fresh off the printing fresh press. Fresh off the printing press. And actually, I think it's fantastic. I, I love that card. I don't know. I'm not... I, not not we sold talk, yet. No, because it's just, it's just a one shot, right? Like No, you could dredge it back out and then you get it back in your hand. Yeah, I guess. But I would rather have something like a Vandal Blast or the... Um, Shattering spree sure. where you can like get more and you don't have to like think about doing that over eh. and over and over again. So I can I could see either way. I can yeah, see either way. Sure, right? sure. And so <clears throat> for us, shenanigans could be pet cards yep. or synergies in the deck that are just fun. You know, for example, a deck we'll talk about uh, probably on our next podcast is my uh, green white deck is Karametra. I know a lot of people build that as enchantment tribal. Um, I actually do angel and elves yep. tribal. Um, and so I have a lot of stuff in there that's just like, why in the world would you have this right. in a Karametra deck? And, and it's I, just like, eh, it's, it's just, it's, it's weird. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of cards that you can get sentimental attachments to, Absolutely. or they like, they, they bring back memories of specific sure. incidents and, even though they may not be the best card for the deck, sure. it's still something like it's the only deck that you have that could really run it or yep. that sort of stuff. So it's yep. kind of that it's kind of the everything and 
It's something we'll get into later. One of, yeah. one of my favorite pet cards is actually Grim Monolith Power Artifact Combo. That is not a pet card. <laughs> I put it in every single deck I possibly lame. can. It's so lame. God, I can't wait for these announcements. For those, if those are interested, we're about to go head-to-head about these recent bannings. Oh, God. Just uh, made me weep so this every, morning. Every one of the cuts I'm going to recommend is cutting those two, and your deck budget's going to go down by $100, $200 a piece. Uh, but absurd. anyways, the shenanigans or pet cards, yeah. that's what we call the spice package. Yeah. You know, Big Tuck was kind of explaining to me that not every beer has spices in it. Correct. Which yeah. There'll be deck techs we do uh, or brews and builds that we do that don't have any of that stuff. And that's okay. But the main things that you have to have is your grain, your hop, and yep. your yeast. Um, and a lot of, and I think, you know, there's a, for those home brewers out there who are really into it, I'm more of just a doer, not into the science and everything of it. So we were toying with the idea of kind of thinking of additives, but that didn't really, that kind of betrayed the idea yeah. and the theme of what we're trying to go with it. So this doesn't necessarily have to be jalapenos. It could be a dry hop period, things along those lines. Uh, so if it's, if it doesn't necessarily have to be spice, but that's just what we're yeah, going with, that's and, that's, going and, with. and that's it. And, so, and hey, you know what? Uh, at the end of this podcast, you know, we will have ways to reach out to us. So if you actually have a recommendation on yeah. something you would rather call the what we're calling the spice package, please hit us up. Tell yeah. us. Tell us ignorant, uh, unworthy fools <laughs> what to do. Uh, and if you guys want to be disappointed, you can also <laughs> not message me because I'm not on Twitter, and I will not send you any of my homebrews. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think without further ado, let's get to brewing, huh? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So uh, we flipped a coin when we were talking about this a couple weeks ago we thought that we would both we should start with our first deck we ever built our first commander Absolutely. deck ever and we flipped a coin for it and i won and what did we did we flip the silver dollar yeah I yeah think so. i think i got jfk so anyway uh the first commander deck that i ever built actually was given to me it's a jun deck and you know it you love it it's prosh the sky raider just a beast of a card so should we go through the should we go through and talk about the card a little bit, or should we just go into the... You know, I, I think to kind of give everyone an idea before we just start talking about cards, yeah. why don't you tell give, give us a couple minutes of just why the deck is built the way that it is. Sure. Why, you know, there are certain cards that are not in there, a.k.a. Food Chain. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. I, I think that'll give people we'll some get insight. Because, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different ways you could build commander yep. decks. You can build it, you know, one thing that you guys will see with Big Tuck in the future is this dude is king of the budget deck. Yes. Uh, he refuses yes. to spend, it seems like, more than $2 on a card. <laughs> um, I think, well, it's, it's so weird because they fluctuate. I was just having this conversation. That Eureka deck I built, yeah. when I first built it, it was $80. Yeah. And then I literally just moved around some cards in my collection what and now guess, it's what? like 250 <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean I don't intend to make this but then they just spiral out of control and, and, um, and then there's people like me that when I build my <laughs> decks uh, all, no, the, all <laughs> the all the paper lands, all yeah. of them it's absurd uh, yeah if you guys you know, want if you guys want to feel bad about your job <laughs> just go on his deck list and just look at the price of just the lands it's, <laughs> it's not in every deck it's in oh, maybe 15 of them uh, but yeah you know a lot of my decks a lot of times the average is between five and six hundred bucks and goes up from there so i think you kind of giving your perception yeah. of why you built it that sure. way that's yeah. going to help because we're going to have we're going to have listeners out there that are either going to have the extra income to where they can spend the money right right or you're going to have the kids that are in high school literally mowing lawns this summer so yeah give us some insight okay so right now it's sitting i'm on tapped out and looking at it uh i, I can share my link so you guys can see this as well it's currently sitting between about 579 to 632 Whoa. yeah i know i think this is my most expensive deck except for one that has the revised dual land the, the one revised that i haven't anyway so uh, this deck was given to me by my friends. But yeah, anyways, yeah. I stopped playing Magic for about six, eight, 
years or yeah, so, like okay, between college. Yeah. I was at a, I lived in China, which is a long story, and I was at a board game shop and I was just looking at loose cards they had that were magic. And I just thought it was interesting. I thought, you know, this is a 2-2 flyer for two. That's cool, even though it was all in Chinese. The wait- the hostess came up and asked if I played magic, and I told her no. <laughs> I was just like, ah, I don't know. I just know the card. She's like, okay, I'll be right back. And the strangest looking man I've ever met in my entire life came over to me. He had like a red afro. He was a native Chinese person. It was nuts. He's super skinny. He says, oh, you play magic. I told him again, I don't. And then he said, no, it's okay. Come to this place. I don't have to get you more into it. You will play magic. Yeah, seriously. And it was, it was something that I really enjoyed my time over there. But at the same time, my friend Scooter, or Scooty Shuffles, if you will, started playing Commander in Chicago with his friend. Okay. So when I moved back, I actually lived with him and his now wife, and he got me this deck for the first one. So this is where my whole Commander experience sort of started. At that time, I never thought I'd buy cards for it because I sure. never played. And now, obviously, that's not true. For those who don't know, I'll just tell you what Prosh does. He's a, It's a dragon, legendary creature dragon, three colorless, uh, and Jun, which is black, red, and green for a 5-5 five, five flyer. And then when you cast him, you get X amount of kobolds where X is it's converted. is a mana spent to cast him. So you cast him once, you get six. You cast him twice, you get eight, and so on and so forth. And then lastly, maybe the most important ability yeah, on I'm him. Yeah, i definitely yeah, so. You think so? Yeah. Is you can sack another creature... And he gets plus one, plus zero to end a turn. And and the thing that's important to really note about that, it's instant speed. Correct, yes. No cost associated no drawback. with it. That there's literally zero drawback. So you can yeah. swing in, and they could be like, ah, it's only five, no blocks. Okay, I sack uh, 16 creatures, yeah, uh, and you die. Yeah, it's one shot. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so... What do you think, real quick, I was thinking about this in the shower earlier today. Yes, Ooh, shower yes, yes ladies, I was naked. <laughs> uh, what do you, where are your thoughts? Because there was kind of a cycle, you know, like this, Jaleva, Marat. Sure, sure. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other ones. Uh, who's that guy? The, um, uh, the Black that, Green Golgari one that keeps the counters on him. I guess that's, oh, that's kind of off the talking about Marin. Yeah, no. Uh, there's a, there's about that, Yeah, but I guess that doesn't really, but they're like that, this block of Commander, I think it was Commander... 15 or 16 there's a lot of those commanders that are they sit in the command zone and no matter what you do they just get better um the abzan one the one with the the fungus one come on uh well we, we are doing magic he, he, fingers he, in he the enters right battlefield now. with counter five counters on him anyway the point is is like well, how do you feel what do you what are your thoughts on these like command this block of commanders where no matter how many times they get killed it's they actually just get better and better and sometimes it's even better for them to die because then you can, like, for example, in this one, it, sometimes it's beneficial for Prosh to die, so you'll sure. just well, sling it up. Yeah, and that's exactly what the food chain combo is with right. Prosh. Yeah, right. You know, it's you, kind oh, of infinite, fair, fair point. and you yeah, just yeah. get a billion kobolds, and you, you can just, you know, nuke someone. Right. Um, you know, it, I think it was good for the time, because I, I think when you look back to a lot of those entry-level commander sets, you know, like the ones where Animar came into. Yeah, sure, yeah, the, yeah. Or, or the Kalia. Yeah, yeah sure. or the experience counters with, like, Marin. <laughs> right. I think that really helped commander in the popularity. Because yeah. if you guys kind of look at Commander sets now, I think the community can all agree Commander 2018 sucked big balls. That was the one with Wind Grace and that stuff, right? Yep, yep. Wind As Gra- a man who has a Wind Grace deck. <laughs> hey, I love my Wind Grace deck. You know what? It's actually fun, but you know, that's besides yeah, the we're point. Getting, yeah, we're the, the, the biggest issue is that Wizard said, hey, yes, we're going to be increasing the cost of these pre-con decks, right. but you're going to get even better cards in there. And we all kind of got garbage in there. And I think to your point, 
um, to that same point, these cards feel distinctly commander, right? Correct. Same with the ones with the experience counters, exactly. because it's kind of no matter how many times they mm -hmm. die, you get to keep them. Or right? the omniscience commander, yeah, like yeah, Edgar right, yeah. They, they feel you know, those are very specific commander, and right. so I like that because I think that these earlier ones, even though nowadays are some of the most broken commanders. Uh, out yeah, there. absolutely. I mean, you look at Animar or Prosh, who we're going to be yeah. talking about today. They, they are just straight busted. And, and Marath, Marath has a million infinite combos in Correct. it from the same and, set. And I will say this: though, they're not CEDH, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, but, but, I, but I think casual <laughs> format or just going into your local LGS, they are pr yeah, they can, busted, they can potentially. So I, but I think that helped propel Commander to where it is today. And honestly, I'm thankful for it because if I didn't have Commander, I would just cry at home <laughs> and do scrapbooking. Watch, watch Dragon Ball Z for the 10th time. Hey, hey, I rewatched uh, <laughs> Battle of the Gods and uh, Resurrection F again last night. Is that Thank Dragon Ball Z episodes or uh, the, the, movies. the movies? Movies, okay, yeah. fair enough. So, so anyways, um, so with this build specifically, this is again another shower, another Oh, shower, shower thought. So, okay, it's Prosh, Sky Raider of Kerr, right? Okay. So, in this one, there's three ways to win. Okay. There's Sky. Okay. Which is the Voltron way to go, right. right? So, effectively, Prosh is a flyer. I mean, that's not unstoppable, but there's a lot of ways to get him huge. There's a lot of ways to get him unblockable. Sure, sure. So, you can just headshot people with him. Um, and I got some cards we can talk about later that really enable that. So, you can also raid... All right, <laughs> which is which is a the token build. Okay, so, so it's like a go wide strategy. Yeah, right. There's a lot of tokens. There's okay. a lot of synergies between that. So you can just get a big critical mass of tokens and shove face. And then the last one is you can kern. <laughs> the stretch is real. I, I was thinking, literally, this came to me like in a fever vision in the shower. <laughs> right after I have to cut my hair. And that's from mostly like burning okay. and sacrificing, right? Okay. So like enter the battlefield effects, sure. leaving the battlefield effects. Like, like a perforose trigger. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, sure. totally. Okay, that's um, fair. So yeah, that's kind of that's the gist of it. Like I said, I've had this deck for a really long time. Probably one of my better ones. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would have normally agreed, but then I played this weirdo's uh, cycle tribal deck, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I played his, uh, oh gosh, which, what do you call your plane? Bad, bad, bad super friends. Yeah, bad super friends, and they actually wrecked, so yeah. we'll get to those in future yeah, yeah, episodes. Yeah. But, you know, a couple things before yeah, we yeah. dive into the grain build. I did have some overall thoughts looking yep, into yep. the deck, and this is something that, honestly, I didn't think I did a lot, but I, I when I started doing my show notes for this, I was like, man, I actually do kind of focus on this when I'm even building my decks, is I look at Mana Curve, mm -hmm. and I look at the cards that need X color yeah. versus is the lands that produce X color. And I'd love you to just give me a few thoughts, and I really hope one of these, you're just like, oh, well, never thought of that. <laughs> and then we get inserted like a Looney Tune sound. Um, is uh, I, I notice your mana curve's a little high. Yeah. You know, um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of people want to be 2.8 to 3.2. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's dragon. It's big. So you're probably going to be in that 3 to 3.2. You're at a 3.7, and as we get into the grain bill, there's not a ton of ramp in the deck. So give us some thoughts. Yeah, on that. I think this was that's probably a carryover of when I when I first built this, the group I was playing in was not as fast. Oh, okay. So it was definitely more of like a battle cruiser build. So sure. being able to stick like a Grave Titan or an Inferno Titan sometimes okay. was, was like good enough to get there. W would you say with our play group now, if you were going to tune this deck, you would try to get that smaller? If I was going to tune it, yeah, that's probably something I would cut. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if this is in it, but and we don't, we have, we have a whole section on cuts, but just in that, and sure. if we're, while we're going through this thought experiment, like Inferno Titan doesn't really do anything. Sure. Like that, that one could probably be cut for something, whether that's more ramp or okay. anything along those lines. But yeah, I think like when I like again when I first built it, it was supposed to be big, it was sure. supposed to be high CMC. That's fair. I figured, I thought the, I think the ramp package is, is potentially it's it's hard to look at because. 
as soon if there's a lot of enablers for it that okay. as soon as you can get prosh down and get the token generated sure. then you can start getting crazy amounts of ramp through it so it's kind of okay to your to that point there's fair there's probably i could probably do a little better there um i think the lands are you know i could always cut those for sure for um yeah you know what, 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 what fetches and that sort of stuff but yeah. like but to your point like is inferno titan as good as like a, a coalition or sure. or, uh, or um do I have it? I do have a Chromatic Lantern, but <laughs> but just, like I don't know if I don't think a card like Inferno Titan that's just a big sure. battle cruiser. Like like one of my initial thoughts is you could do cheap mana dorks mm-hmm. to, to ramp quick, yeah, and then once Prosh comes out, you could sacrifice Sack him them there. to yeah, feed yeah. him to that's, make him bigger. And that's like and I you know you're right. And if you go and look on the EDH rec of this, I think there's cards like Llanowar Elf. Sure, and I mean those are just you know like Arbor Elf. Yeah, and like, and like you could, stuff. You, and I think that's more built. I think where I get stuck with a lot of my decks is I try to build them to do too much. Oh, that's fair. Right? So, yeah. like, so for example, if I really wanted to make, like, a tuned prosh machine sure. where I'm getting out on turn three, turn turn two, yeah. turn four consistently, that's where those Th- cuts That's probably when you would probably swap out some of the flavor stuff for just yeah, the straight... Yeah, abs- abs- okay, absolutely, fair. absolutely. And then, uh, and then the next thing I noticed is... From a card cost, half your deck does require green mana, yet only a third of your lands produce green. And I'll say this as a deck builder, that's something that I struggle with at times, because I'll say, okay, I'm building up my land package, and so I'll put in my Vivids, yeah, I'll sure. put in my you know, Frontier Biviox, stuff mm-hmm. like that, yeah, and then try it, land. it's just my... my uh, land pie chart is literally divided in thirds even though my deck needs like more to this or to yeah, that yeah. so I'm kind of curious as playing the deck have you ever noticed that like man I actually need a little bit more green at this point I think hmm I'm trying to think again the problem that we're going to run into in these kind of conversations <laughs> is I play this I play a deck probably I don't know four times a year maybe <laughs> and this one I know a little bit more into I think that there's not that many double or triple mana requirements, sure. right? And again, Prosh is the key card of the deck, the kind of the glue that holds it together, and he only has one of each. Okay. Um, I probably could go through and cut some, or like look at that. I, to be honest, that's I never even thought about that because it's never really happened. The, okay. Where 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 this deck can fall apart though is like there's been times where I've got mana hose and I only have like four lands and sure. it's just nothing. Yeah, like, well, hopefully, you're just, you're just stuck. we can, you know, I doubt we'll talk about it today, but I'm sure it'll come up in the future with, with decks and why we build it. But I think the London Mulligan is actually going to help a lot yeah, with, the, sure. with the mana hosting. Definitely. So, okay. Definitely. Well, get, well, that's everything I had. Um, I, I think we just dive into this uh, deck tech and go with that grain bill. Okay, uh, yeah. What, since, since this is your deck, man, you started off. What, so, what do you want to talk about first? Again, um, the grain bill is supposed to be kind of the base of, if you're thinking about beers, the malts, uh, hop, or the malts and the barley and the other different grains that when you brew them, this if you're a home brewer, you can skip ahead <laughs> maybe 30 minutes or just whatever. <laughs> uh, so skip like, ahead 30 minutes. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's just turn it off. So the grains, what happens is when you crush the grains and put them in water, they ferment. They don't ferment, but they turn the water into like a tea that's sugar. Right, so without the grains, there's nothing that the yeast can eat. So it's really important to make sure that your grains are evenly distributed. And um, even though they don't drive a lot of the bitterness and kind of the, like the specialness of a beer, if your grain if your grain bill is off, you know you might have to swap it out. So a lot of times, grain bill is like, you know, sixty percent of a base grain. Right, that's sure. just vanilla, nothing exciting there. Sure, and then forty percent of other things. So if, even if you have that, even if you have that percentage off. It can still be skewed. It can still mess with how the beer tastes. So that's kind of what we agreed on of like the ways to set things up. So the first one that I put down um, is a card that I am a huge fan of. 
I think it's pretty underplayed. It was pretty expensive back in the day, but it's Awakening Zone. If you're looking at it, Awakening Zone is two colorless and a green. Um, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, you create a 0-1 Eldrazi Scion that you can sacrifice uh, and add colorless to your mana pool. So for me, this card does a lot. So not only does it give you... It gives you actually it, it, the the utility of those creatures is so high, right? So you can either stockpile them and help cast an early prosh. You can sacrifice them to prosh when it keeps going. You can use them as chump defenders. It just seems like there's a lot of things that you can get over and over and over again. And it's an enchantment which are still handle still handle a bull, but a little harder to remove than like a creature, a token producer. Sure. I think before I had a card like Verdant Force in here that where every upkeep you get a 1-1 one, one, Oh yeah, lane. but it's so expensive. It's so expensive. Is it yeah. like uh, four colorless, three green Yeah, it's, I think like it's, yeah, it's like eight or seven mana and it's only, and then it's like a 7-7 a seven, seven, maybe Trampler. And it just didn't, it, that was, I think that might have been the card that I cut for Awakening Zone because you can get Awakening Zone out as turn two. Sure. And that enables, you know, a turn three, sometimes a turn three prosh, keeps the value train going, helps recast him. Yeah. Uh, it's just been, I, that's a card that I, that I, when I brought prosh to MTG, Fest here in Kansas City. That was a card that really stood out to me that really helped that deck. Sure. Really propelled it. Had a lot of things into it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm all for it. You know, the, the biggest thing, especially because even though Sam has 40 plus decks, I'm almost completed the challenge of 32. We pretty much play with the same people yeah, uh, every yeah. every single week. And so the metagame is strong with this one. <laughs> and so, you know, like, for example, when I, when I started playing six years ago with Squee McGee and our other buddy that lives in Denver, which hopefully me and him will both be at... Uh, MTG Fest Denver next weekend. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be in <laughs> yeah. the past, so I'm talking to you from the future. <laughs> it'll be one year ago. <laughs> but it was heavy in artifact removal. And I remember, oh, one okay. of the I remember one of the first decks I tried to build was a Reaper King deck, and I just oh, yeah. got molested in the most unfun way possible. I, I think our meta group has kind of shied a little bit away from artifact removal, but the enchantment removal has not caught up yet. And yeah, so totally. this only being a three drop, producing mana and producing fodder for prosh i don't think you could slot something else in there yeah. that's better depending on how you want to build the deck is sure. from beyond which is a four drop um and it gets you a one one eldrazi instead of an oh one and then you can bin it for a colorless and a green search the library for an eldrazi card reveal it and put it into your hand but like i don't run any eldrazi's in this so i i agree sure. i i'm with i'm on board with you where i don't know what i would cut yeah because i think like it fits or what do you think do you think that maybe I think that this card is better in this deck than like a cultivate. That could be debatable. Okay. And I only say that because it's cultivate, guar cultivate's guaranteed. Cultivate's guaranteed. Yeah. And it's getting you color fixing. Sure. And uh, it helps just get prosh out quicker. And looking through your deck, if you're not winning with prosh between turn five and let's just say seven, then I don't think awakening zone does anything for your late game strategy that, yeah for sure yeah definitely but i i like right now i i would leave it sure. because i i like you mentioned magic fest kc it really kind of showcased and it really helped you yeah, out definitely and I, I, think, I, I think i got it down turn two and it was just value over yeah, and over and over, yeah. and over so so anyways okay. that's that's my first that's my first uh okay Bill uh, on the green. All right, so for mine, I actually picked Sky Shroud Claim. Mm -hmm. This is a uh, three colorless, a green sorcery. Search your library for up to two forest cards and put them straight to the battlefield. Then shelf your library. Yeah. Now, granted, 
Tuck is not one to run some Aber duels or... I almost uh, got one for this deck, but I couldn't <laughs> afford it. So. He, you almost had to sell your kidney. But if you like the alcohol poisoning, to, we probably to, can't use it. To your it. point, I think there's a couple of shock lands in here or a couple lands. There's a, I know there's a couple lands that have both land types. Yep, yep. So, like I'm looking at a stomping ground yeah, in here. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, looking at tomb. a sheltered thicket. Sure. Uh, so you have options. And usually I'm very anti Sky Shard claim. I just think for four mana, that's, that's too expensive at... At sorcery speed but when you're playing three color big mana decks yep. it's good to be able to get them in untapped because you could sky shroud claim turn three or four get your two force into play untapped then tap those two to put out a signet and you've just ultra ramped so uh, I, i'm a huge fan of that and honestly i mean yeah you could cut that for maybe a rampant growth mm. potentially the only th so i I've toured with that and I had rampant growth, right? And then the other one in here is explosive vegetation, sure. which gets two basics. Yep. Um, what has happened to me before is I only run six, nine basic lands in here. So oh, there's been okay. there's been times where like it's been late game. Sure. I draw rampant growth and it's and just like, it's, uh, yeah, it's fail to find and yeah. I don't have anything. Okay. So it's, I I think that that's a hard question to answer, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or like a search for tomorrow where you go, it's it's a two drop and you go get a forest instead of waiting for Sky Shroud claim. So I, I think- Or not it, search for tomorrow, it's uh, nature's lore. Okay. But anyway. So I think the only reason you cut Sky Shroud's claim is if you decide, you know what? I want to get that 3.7, as close yeah. to 3.2 as possible. I think that's one of the easier ones. Like, you know what? Take it from a four to a two, potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ramp it, growth it instead. That's going to help my curve. Or the, uh, yeah, like I said, if you look up nature's lore, I think that's a- uh, it's it just it does rampant growth, but it sure. searches for a forest card. Oh, okay. So it's like the it's like baby sky shroud claim. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, okay. it's nature's lords, colorless and a green. Search library for a forest card. Put it onto the battlefield, untapped. Yep. Or just onto the battlefield. Gotcha. So I that's that's a good that's a really good point. That's yeah. a that's a salient point. But uh, yeah, I don't know the two. It's it's really hard though because if you can get sky shroud claim out turn two or turn three. It's getting two instead of one is... But honestly, I, I unless you just pull the perfect yeah. hand of two lands, Soul Ring, and Sky Shred Claim, you're not getting an out turn two. Yeah, that, that's you know, fair. Yeah. Uh, that's the that's only way. Point. And let's be honest, everyone in the uh, EDH community wishes they got that turn one <laughs> Soul Ring. Uh, that's just the most perfect thing ever. And then if you turn two, Sky, I mean, that's just too many perfect events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would be different if you had like a Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, something right. else in there, so it's like guaranteed. Guarantee is gonna like, happen, I got yeah. three or four ways to have yeah, it happen. Yeah, that's also gonna double the, if I put those in. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'll, it's he'll way more. It's, to work. I don't know if I actually, in the it's, while we're on the thing of uh, like the expenses, so I don't think I put any all the cards in here that are over twenty dollars. I think I either opened or traded for. Sure. Like I don't think I bought any of them. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but hey, yeah, what's no, your next one? Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so the next one, is, so I sort of cheated. <laughs> I sort of, I sort of cheated, but they both do the same thing, um, and it's the two alters. Yeah, coming in. Uh, it's Frexian and National's Altar. Okay. So I, I picked the same for my next two. Did you well. really? Yeah. Absolutely. Wait for I, both of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I call them Altar of Love. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I want to hear yours. Um, what? Just my thoughts on them? Yeah, absolutely. I just think they're just great. I mean, there's no, there's like, I always wanted a Frexian Altar. I knew it was good. Sure. It was like thirty odd, yeah. right? And then luckily I cracked <laughs> because this is how <laughs> the sellers works. I cracked on Ultimate Masters. Uh, oh, and I have some hot talks on Bridge from Below later, which All I right. have one of my trade binder, <laughs> and now it's. 
where it's like a forest. So anyways, um, they're just really good. Um, it's the only downside with the two of them is that they're really dependent on casting Prosh, right? Sure. There's, there's a fair amount of token generators across the board, mm-hmm. but it's really good if you can get one of them to stick, cast Prosh, and then you know that you can always cast from your sure. hand. Again, I don't like infinite combos. That's one of our biggest differences in deck building. However, you can go, if you have both of these out and something that pinks for life, you can just go infinite and, and they'll, or just sure. deal a gazillion damage. Sure. I think maybe having two of them is a little aggressive, but I it, they're both so good and like sure. it's just they fill they both fill very similar roles, do very similar things. Um, and again, back to your point earlier of like free sacrifice outlets are so critical. Yep, they just do great in the stack. No, no, I, I totally agree. So you know, my my first point was it's great synergy with Prosh and all the token generators, yep. which you've already covered. So here's kind of the way that I look at it, a little bit different take is this is a fair way to do food chain. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, you know, 100%. Food, yeah. food Chain can get banana hammock real mm-hmm. quick um, with Prosh. And I know that your philosophy isn't just to have absurd infinite combos. Right. So I feel like with having both of these in there, these are both kind of fair ways to kind mm-hmm. of get a Food Chain-esque uh, yeah. role going. If you, if you have both of them out, you can just go, sure. you go infinite tokens, infinite damage, But whatever. here's the other thing. You know, if you guys, you know, take a look at the deck list, and I'll, I'll even talk about one of these cards a little bit later, is you're also not the biggest tutor guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. really, outside of one card in the entire deck, you don't have a way to tutor for artifacts. No. So by having two cards at a 99, the likelihood of you getting both in a game is very, very slim. Right. And the fact of you getting one in a game is just hard. Which I like, but like, I'm okay with it, right? And no, like, no, no, no. And, and when you were trying to say, though, that having both in there and you're kind of shrugging your shoulders, like, oh, uh, I see. Yeah, you yeah. You know what? I think it's fair. It'd be different if this was like my Attracts a Planeswalker deck where I have like seven or eight tutors in sure, there. Sure, yeah. Then, yes, it could be like, you know what? This is kind of bordering on the level where I don't like to be to where maybe I would like this deck to be a seven. Um, and now with all these tutors, it's a nine. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think having them both in there just gives you the redundancy that you. You should be able to get right. one of them, and to and to that point, having either of them on the battlefield is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not broken just right. to have one on the battlefield. It's just value. Yeah, and, and I and I think you know EDH from a non-competitive standpoint. If you're just getting good value, no one's going to hate you out. Yep. Unless you're our other uh, two buddies that just bicker <laughs> and the salt is real with both of them. I mean, but like if it, but M- two, M- Mr. Cook, for example, oh, uh, you, yeah. you could just play a card. He'd be like, gah, oh, gah, gotta get rid of that. And, well, and he'll just go bananas. And again, to that, like, to your point, I, it's also. It really doesn't matter because most people, when I play this deck, they, I'm like immediately they're sure. they're just coming after me until whatever. So your enemy of the state. And back to and again that kind of feeds into your earlier point, which is fair. Where it's like if I'm not winning early and fast, people figure it out, and then I just get sure. I can get hated out. So did you have another one or were so those your two? I, I did have one more. Okay, because I have one more as well. Okay, so you want me to go? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, know, cool. why not? I like to hear that uh, lovely voice. <laughs> well, oh, <laughs> hey. hey coming in cool jams so my last one on the grain bill that i thought was this one's you know probably arguable but the xenagos the reveler the planeswalker okay so for two colorless uh red and a green he comes in with three loyalty counters um his first ability is kind of the big hitter for this one so plus one you get uh x mana which is equal to the amount of creatures you control um his in red or green so obviously in prosh if you have him out you cast prosh you immediately get 
your mana back effectively. His zero is a 2-2 satyr, so it's also kind of yep. a token enabler. His ultimate in this probably doesn't really do a lot. Yeah, which I is kind of, which is kind of like I kind of sad. It's kind it is kind of sad, <laughs> and you know, but whatever a planeswalker ultimate and a deck <laughs> has no relevance to the deck. It's like oh, have you? Pl- There's been times before where like I've seen a planeswalker ultimate multiple times and nothing happens, right? <laughs> like, and he's I mean, you could you could get lucky and you hit you could hit like a grave titan, sure. I guess, which is fine. You could hit a, a uh, and a Tarka World Render and just bash with that. Sure. But it, like it doesn't do much. One of the real reasons why I have this in there and I've kept it is because it this was actually the first planeswalker that I ever owned. Okay. So um so I this brought is a little bit of a pet card for th- you. It's kind of a pet card, but it does a lot, right? Sure. There's enough token producers in here where it can it can kind of boost and give you a token to feed into Prosh. It's just and actually the version I have is water damaged. From a bottle opening in my bag when I had it. I got in China. It's just like, there's a lot of like, this Planeswalker in particular, this and Tybalt, which we can talk about. Oh, God, what a garbage I, I can't card. wait. How dare you? Hot you, mean the, you mean the best Planeswalker ever printed? <laughs> Broken. So anyways, this is, it's like a pet card. So I think, yep. I think its first ability can be really good. Yep. can really accelerate you quick. Its zero ability is, is good in this deck. Yep. And then its ultimate's kind of whatever. So... I think it's funny that you picked this card. I didn't pick Xenagos as well, but how you're kind of iffy on its plus and its zero ability is actually the reason I picked your other Planeswalker, Garouk, as a a card I really like. Um, And so, you know, here's what Garouk does. Uh, It's two colorless uh, and two green. So the only difference between Xenagos and this is Xenagos needs a red. Garouk comes in with three loyalty, plus one untapped, two target lands. That's that's good. I would actually argue that Xenagos... In your deck, probably 75% of the time or more is better in the plus one. Yeah, probably. Because uh, you're probably yeah. going to have more than two creatures out. Yeah, definitely. And again, to your point, I, Garuk was not in this for a long time, and then I got him. Sure. And it's like we were talking about with the, like, the two altars. Like, it's just kind of more redundancy, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and, and then Garuk's next ability is minus one, put a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token onto the battlefield. So I feel like Garuk feeds your ramp. And your Prosh. Yeah, definitely. And Xenagos literally does the exact same thing. Now, here's the only reason Garuk differs a little bit. Minus four, creatures you control get plus three, plus three, trampled till end of turn. Yeah, it's that That, awesome. that could potentially be a way to where if you're protecting Garuk and you do get him above four, you know, maybe a five or a six, right. and it's like, you know what? I want to one-shot someone with Prosh right now, or I have 18 Kobolds of yeah, Terkey. Th- totally, totally. But let's just turn these zero ones into three fours. Yeah. It, it's a good, uh, what was that, overrun? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. funny. It's, over, it's, in, it's also, if you look under the East package in there, and we'll talk about overrun later. And to your point, getting Garuk up, if you get one turn with him, you get the overrun ability on him, like given. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he does. I completely agree with yeah, him. Like, I think yeah. he's good. I, I like them both. Uh, Garuk is more relevant across the board, but I think Xenagos's plus one more times than not is going to be better than Garuk's plus one. In this deck, so, I, would you? In this deck. Would you agree that in most decks, Garuk is better Absolutely not. every time, right? Absolutely not. Really? Yeah. Now, I, I run Xenagos in way more decks than I run Garouk. Really? Garouk, okay. I would probably run more in, like, land values, because I'm going to have, like, a Lotus Veil taps for three. Right, so, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, plus one, and I maybe get four to six mana out of it. Oh, that's a slam dunk. Or, uh, you know, if it could be in a Golgari deck with, like, Phyrexian Tower. Yeah, you know, the right, tap and you can tap it. Creature, yeah, yeah. Get a couple Or any of the other utility lands kind of thing. Correct. Yeah, I, I think point. Garouk's better for utility lands. I think Xenagos is better for mana. Okay. All right, and especially because Xenagos' ability with the mana, and, I, and I'm sure you already said it, but the plus one, it's add X mana of any combination <laughs> of red right. or green, and it doesn't have a clarification that says it's going to be used to cast for creatures, mm-hmm. which we've seen some planes 
Planeswalkers that do yep, that. Totally. You don't have to just say, well, I'm getting three red, four green. It could be any combination. Yeah, right, it right. does not matter. So you're just like, well, I'm going to use this out of this made up number to cast this. And yeah. let me do this to this. So that, that's why I'm a huge Xenagos, the, the Reveler fan. I think he's also, I think he's kind of like, uh, I think I have him in my Animar deck. Yeah. It, and he, I think people kind of sleep on him. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, he's only like five bucks and yeah. I think he's one of, I don't know. I, I think that he does a lot. I yeah, think he does for, a lot, for, and I don't for his mana cost four mana. Four mana, yeah. A four mana planeswalker that can defend himself, mm-hmm. can immediately add value, can Absolutely. almost like play him for himself. So, anyways, so yeah, so that that's our grain build, guys. Yep. The next one we're going to move to is hot profile. I, I want to <coughs> kick this one off because yeah, I feel like this card. <laughs> Is very anti you, as so I'll be interested to hear why it's in your deck. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a uh, Liliana Vess. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. We got we got three colorless black black planeswalker, it's and just so everyone knows, I am a planeswalker slut through and through. I think I have planeswalkers in every single deck I own, mm, even fact. ones that punish me like Ruikthar. I have yeah. planeswalkers in there. <laughs> probably uh, have so, Zenigos in there. Right? I probably do. Yeah, yeah. So Liliana Vess, three colorless black black plus one target player discards a card. I feel like that's completely relevant for yeah. this deck. Minus two is why it surprises me. Search your library for a card, then shuffle your library and put that card on top. It's basically a vampiric tutor at sorcery speed. Right. I know that you're very anti, and then the minus eights put all creatures from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Which I, that'll I've never, never happen. never seen it. Never, never seen once. It. So I, I like this one because it gives you a way to tutor yeah. in the most fair way possible. And, and it, is that why it's in the deck? That's absolutely right. So this was originally the Diabolic Tutor, the four okay. drop one, and I cut it because I, I either got this in a trade or something or I had a spare a long time ago and for one mana more you're getting two searches two and that's yep. that's all it is like it's just it's just utility right yep. like you dig up whatever you need if you need the mana you can go get sure. it if you want if you need a uh, sack outlet whatever uh, that's fair yeah it's again this would be another card where it's like if I want to make this more competitive you cut it for Vampire demonic tutor. tutor yeah vampiric tutor yeah. <laughs> demonic tutor whatever sure that's why it's real seal if you have an extra couple thousand dollars laying around. <laughs> Jeez, my friend got one of those, the, the new foily ones. Oh my god, the art on it, I don't like. Like, I just Isn't like it just a cube. It. Yeah, it's like a stamp. It's a seal. You know, <laughs> oh, but there we go. It's so stupid. That, that whole one. what was that planet? Uh, what was that? Uh, Portal Three Kingdoms. It's so weird. No, I like that's exactly the reason. Okay, it's just it's just a tutor. You get two things out of it. Usually, you have enough blockers where you can get the two out of it. Like you said, the discard doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and, and just because this is our first podcast, the reason it's in the hot profile, which we talk to as board stabilization, how are you interacting with yeah. the board, is you can use Liliana to tutor an answer to maybe an issue that someone else has brought up. Totally. You know, may, maybe someone has uh, Song of the Dryads Prosh, and you're just like, yeah. well, well, crap, my deck just sucks else, yeah. now. This gives you a way to maybe get an enchantment removal totally. or a board wipe, something like that. Or, like my first one, uh, which is a board wipe, so Crux of Fate. Oh, uh, garbage. I love this card. Hot garbage. I'm so, I love this card so much. I run it in so many decks. It's a poor man's damnation, so uh, <laughs> totally is. It's totally what it is. Uh, there's like two decks that I think it's actually good in, or, and I... I and this is not one of them. This is one of them. This, this is one is of absolutely them. So not. I'm going to read it, I'm gonna read it out loud. So Crux of Fate, three colorless, two black, Choose one, destroy all dragon creatures or destroy all non-dragon creatures. And that's the kicker because there's, I actually run, (laughs) I run a very small dragon package in this one. Two. Three, including the commander. Oh, okay. Sorry. Including the commander, there's three. But again, like, it's another way where you can, so this goes, this I think feeds better into the Voltron version of this deck, right? So... You sacrifice everything you have to Prosh. He's humongous. You cast this card. It clears the way for literally anything, and then you can just slam into people with him. 
So again, I think personally, I think this is, serves a better purpose than Damnation in this deck specifically. Well, and it's funny. So Crux Effect is actually one of my cut cards, but I did not cut it for Damnation. Really? I cut it for something else. Which oh, we'll get to a okay. Bit later. All right, cool. Um, and wow. I'll explain okay. why. Interesting. So, Very cool. Uh, my but, next one yeah, go ahead. was Hole Breach. Okay, yeah. So, so Hole Breach is a sorcery. Choose one. Destroy target artifact. Destroy target enchantment. Destroy target artifact and target enchantment. The reason I love this card in your deck, as I did go through and count, you only have three others, and that does include your Vraska Planeswalker, for removal. So the flexibility of yep. this card's extremely solid for handling any situation you could be at the moment, because you can cast stuff all the live long day in EDH, because a lot of these games will go 45 minutes to an hour and a half sure. on average. Yep. You're playing against three other people, three other completely different, you know, what happens if you go up against an Azorius lockdown deck and you only have two removals in your deck, right. like spot removals. Um, you know, in a Prosh deck, you don't want to just completely board wipe and get rid of everything, because then that kind of hurts your total strategy. You need to be very specific about it. And so I think Hole Breach helps you get rid of certain issues as they arise. Now, granted, could there be a better option out there? Sure. Yeah. But you know what? The card is $1.30 on TCG. Which is crazy. It's not breaking the bank. Yeah, so. totally. I think the one I had in here earlier is Destructive Revelry, which does the same. It destroys an artifact or enchantment for the same cost, and then it deals yep. two. Right? And I just, it's an instant. So that's yeah. that's where, that's the only trade off in here, right? Yeah, the only card that maybe you could swap for it. Granted, I don't know uh, the, the, the price off of the top of my head, uh, but Vandal Blast. Yeah. It, it costs two. It's the exact same. It doesn't do the enchantment side, yeah. but then you could potentially overload it to get rid of everyone's artifacts. And that's the only one that maybe it's like, okay, you still get targeted spot removal. Sure. Or. If it gets to the yeah. point of the game, I can do it to everyone. It's just like, I really, I, the whole breach gets those enchantments though, and that could be sure. so big. Like yeah, you said, like someone lignifies our, our play group sees more enchantment play now, but we still don't have the enchantment yeah. removal to catch totally. up to it. So I totally get it. No, get it. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. So my next one is, uh, it's a creature. I want to talk Deathbringer Thoctor. Okay. Okay. So it's four colorless, a red and a black. Whenever another creature dies, you may put a 1-1 counter on it, and then you can remove 1-1 counter and ping any target. Okay. So this one, this is, again, one of those cards that is kind of a sleeper, and it's a little over-costed. Yeah. But the amount of sacrifice things that you have going on, I've seen this thing get up to like 25, 26. Wow. Easy. Yeah. It plays a little bit, and again, we'll get more into cuts. If you have things that double the counters on it, sure, too, it can sure. also get out of hand. And this one time, this again, like this may not be the best card in the deck, but I have like memories tied to it. So one person copied this card, and then every time a creature died, so we were in like this like arms race of <laughs> who could try to kill their other Deathbringer Thoctor first. It can ping things, it can get rid of commanders when you die. It's kind of like a good way to it's a good way to like have something to do. Sure. When Prosh is already like there's there's been times where I played Prosh where you're out of tokens, right? You've kind of done all your rigmaroles. And he's also been out, sure. and then you have like you can have follow up from that. That's fair. It's a little. It is now. To be fair, it's definitely a battle cruiser card. Yeah. It's expensive the, for what it does. The, the biggest issue I have with it is that it costs six, and it's a three three yeah. when it first comes in. So it's a little on the weak side for what you sure. pay for it. Totally. I, once again, like we talked about the high CMC. I could see this, you know, being good, but potentially is there a better option at four CMC that can get something kind of similar yeah, something going? Similar, yeah. uh, that, you know, that could be something to explore. And here's another like... Well, think of uh, Tor and Mauler. Right, potentially. yeah. Two colorless or red. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on them. Those things can become massive and just big beaters. Yeah, he doesn't feed into the die aspect, right. but... 
he's still a beater that's getting huge, but for only three mana, so it's half the cost. Well, and to your, to that point too, is this card better? I'm not sure. I probably wouldn't cut it for the Mauler, but I would cut it potentially for something like a Falconrath Noble. Okay. Which is another Blood Artist effect, right? Sure. So effectively, you're getting the middle ground that you got to, that Doctor lives in. Sure. It's like it can beat face, right? But it can also ping and deal damage out. But it goes back to the same idea of like maybe like the deck's probably spreading itself a little too thin across what it's trying to do. If you're really trying to drive into a sacrifice theme, then one of those cards that triggers on every creature dying, mm -hmm. immediately dealing damage to all opponents or a opponent and gaining you some life, that may be a better option. But like I said, I've seen this card get huge. Sure. I've seen it end games. You know, there, there's only one other card that I, I would maybe consider as a swap for that. Um, and I actually have it in my Animor deck. I'm actually going to pull up my Animor list. But it's basically a green creature, same type of thing. You put plus one, plus one counters on it, and I think it's whenever anyone casts a spell. But then at the beginning of your upkeep, you can move all those oh, counters yeah, the, um, to target creature. Um, Forgotten Ancient. Forgotten yeah, Ancient. Yeah. So that could be one. Yeah, Once again, that's, that's two less than him lowering your CMC. And then you can and, just pump and him. And just make Prosh just a massive move, sure. bad boy. So, okay, yeah, cool. Again, it's kind of more of a... Like, it kind of goes back to the original deck yeah. idea of like it being more of a Battle Cruiser deck. But um, I've like I said, I just it's one of the cards that I've seen do a lot of work. Sure. It can remove... It can it can ping things. You know, yeah, it can clear fair. boards of weenies and totally, all that stuff. So totally anyways. So, so my last <clears> one for the hops uh, from a board interaction and kind of stabilizing is Dragon Lair Spider. I'm all for... <laughs> Really? This card. I love I'm, it. I'm really that really surprises oh, me. Oh man. I love anything in commander or a multiplayer format where the text reads whenever an opponent casts cast a spell, spell yeah. because you got three other people doing that for you. No one's just going to sit there and not cast anything. Right. So here, here's what this card does. It's two colorless, double red, double green. It's a spider. It's 5/6. It has reach so it can block things with flying. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, create a 1/1 one, one green insect creature token. That is just so B.A. in this deck. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? Most likely it's going to come out turn five or six. It's going to be a later game play. People are probably already have dealt with Prosh a little yeah, bit. Totally. You know, probably he's been removed once, if not twice. So a lot of times once your commander gets up to like eight or ten, people just don't give a shit about you. They right. don't care. Yeah. And so I think Trigon Lair Spider, he comes, it comes down and it's like, that could be problematic. But there's still Prosh. So I don't want to waste a removal spell right, on this totally. stupid-ass spider. And you look at all the other token generators you have, and these 1-1s one will start being 2-1-1s one whenever mm -hmm. they cast a spell. And before you know it, you have an army probably 10 deep of yeah, spider tokens. Totally. And you have cards in your deck that I'll, I'll talk about in my next section. It'll actually be my first yeast card. But once you have a bunch of those tokens, they just can can ramrod. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, that that's my last one and for it, that and hops. Because you know what? It's it's interaction with the board. Every yep. time they cast a spell, you get that spider. You're, you're able to have blockers to protect your planeswalkers if you want to get that overrun effect or you want to keep generating mana. And it's fodder for Prosh if you decide you just want to beat face. Yeah, I totally agree. Like you said, I think it kind of does like a fake impression of Prosh. Sure. Right? You're still getting the tokens out of it. They usually yep. stick. It helps block, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. No, I agree. Like you said, I think it's a little overcosted, and that surprises me because it is like the double colors, right? Yep. And it's a six drop or whatever it is. Yep. So I think like that card's been weird because I've had it in a lot of different decks sure. and I've cut it from a lot of different decks. Really? This, yeah, just because it's very expensive, sure. right? And it's always kind of like a backup plan. Yeah. So I, I had another deck that's like token focused and I played it like once or twice and it did get out of hand and I went in with it. So that there guess, you go. I guess a good one. So well, what's your last uh, hot profile? So my last one, this card is really good in a lot of decks. I think it's particularly good in decks with tokens. It's Dictate of Erebos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> done. Yeah, done. It's so dumb. Well, what's um, it do? All right, so it's a three, three colorless, two black. Uh, enchantment with flash 
whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. So it's great pact with flash oh, for yeah. one more. So, but I think dictate may be better in this deck because great pact is three black. Sure. So it's a little harder to get out. I get that. But once I mean, once you get it out, it's it's pretty much toast. Yeah. No one's really getting creatures anymore. You cast that, you cast Prosh, everyone's sacking five creatures every time it happens. It's a one-sided effect. These kind of cards get run in so many decks, and I think this is one I opened in China too. So it's there been a, it's like an OG card in that. But I don't really there's really not much more to say about that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I, I think the biggest reason that this card is great is especially when you come down to almost like that, okay, I got one last player to kill, but crap, they got like yeah, 13 sure. Thopters or something right. like that with flying, and I don't, I don't have trample. I, I'm just going to be, you know, eating it. So the nice thing about this card is you kind of, you know, play it right before the, your main phase. I was like, okay, I got one guy left, five mana. They're tapped out. They're assuming that the ten flyers that they made, the one ones, are going to be able to handle Prosh until they get an answer. Boom, flash out, dictate at the end step, beginning of your upkeep. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to combat, and I'm just going to sacrifice yeah. all of these cobalt. Totally. To make Prosh a massive beater. And oh, by the way, for every Kobold I sack, you got to sack a creature. Yeah, it, it's yeah, just it's slam great. dunk. It's great. But yeah, that's it for the Hops profile. So yeah. let's figure out, let's talk about how we're going to end the game, right? Yeah, so, yeah, that'd be our yeast. Yes. Yeah, so I chose, if I had chosen this post shower thought, I would have thought of. <laughs> post shower thoughts. I would have thought of like one way to win with each of them. Okay. But instead, I guess I sort of did. But the first one I want to talk about is the other Xenagos. Xenagos got a revel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It's also $16, which is absurd. <laughs> I know what I get for that much. But anyways, three colorless, a red and a green for a legendary enchantment creature. It's a Theros block, so it has devotion and indestructible. As long as the devotion is less than seven to red and green, it's not a creature. More importantly, at the beginning of combat on your turn, Another target creature you control gains haste and plus X plus X, where X is its creature's power. Okay. So, it's, I mean, obviously, this is really good in any sort of battle cruiser big thing. I mean, the reason why it's really good in Prosh is it's a one shot. Oh, you yeah. Play, you play Prosh, you sack all the tokens to him. Done. It's 22 damage in the air. With haste. Yeah, with haste. It's, it's, it's absurd. We can talk about the gods from that cycle all day, but like, they're hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. You can tutor him with worldly tutor. Like, it's just, it just does stuff. The, Interesting thing is that this also can kind of help push damage through with like some of the other battle cruisers later in the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like your Tarka world, the the Tarka I have in here that has double strike and like sure. the Titans and that sort of stuff. It's great. It's hard to get rid of. It's easy to dig up. Yeah. Easy to cast early. I mean, that's kind of that's it's just yeah. it's just a great card. All you those, know, all I'm all for are. it. And you know, and I think the the big thing that I think a lot of people really overlook in Xenagos, the God of Revels, is the haste aspect. Yes, totally. At the beginning of combat because it is something to where it's like, okay, we dealt with Prosh. He doesn't have haste enabler. Well. Zenagos, Prosh, wh- yeah. whatever you need to do to do that. Totally. My, I think that's fantastic. So yeah, I'm all for it. My first one, and there's just not a lot to say about this card. <laughs> it's called Beastmaster Ascension. Yeah, it's dumb. Uh, it's two colorless green enchantment. Whenever a creature you control attacks, put a quest counter on Beastmaster Ascension. And as long as Beastmaster Ascension has seven or more quest counters on it, all your creatures get plus five, plus five. So, like the card I just talked about earlier, Dragon Layer Spider. Yeah, you got the 10 or 12 one ones and no one really cares about 10 or yeah. 12 one ones oh hold on let me drop Beastmaster this turn and swing and it automatically gets 12 quest counters those one ones are now six sixes yeah and you're totally. weeping into your hands and the real cute one with that is casting prosh one time gives you enough to fulfill it 
Oh, because you gosh. got Frosh and the six and the six zero zero. So yeah, it's absurd. It goes. I think it goes into that card itself goes into a lot of decks. Oh, right. Absolutely. Like any sort of any sort of weenies, any sort of tokens. Mm-hmm. It's big time. So yep. I totally get that. Cool. Um, the next one I have is kind of a pull, and I have a story about this one. Um, it's an enchantment called Vicious Shadows. I have this one as well. Do you really? Yep, yeah. I sure do. <laughs> All right, so we can tag team that. That's awesome. So six colorless and a red. It's an enchantment, and it says whatever creature is put into a graveyard from play, whenever a creature, right, not just yours, any creature, you may have this card deal damage to target player equal to the number of cards in that player's hand. Yep. So what's really funny is I'm not really into, like, blinging out decks, and if you notice, this is, like, one of the few foils in it, and it's because I put this in an Amazon list, Sent a specific list to my aunt for to give me something for Christmas, for and she got it for me for Christmas. <laughs> there so you like, go. I feel like such a loser. Hey, 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 hey! In our thirties, and we're still getting foily gifts from our aunts. It was it was we're great. Winning. It was like that, and um, like Coalition Relic or something like that. But anyways, uh, it's just great. It can kind of the only drawback that I see through it is it can kind of stall if by some chance. Everyone else's hands is empty. Sure. It kind of doesn't do a lot, but, but that, rarely that that's going to happen so rarely, in yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's every creature. It works really well with the sack outlet. Sure. It's pretty expensive. And I think it's one of those things, if you land this and can't win, you're just going to get blown yep. out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I had actually never seen this card before. Really? Uh, before seeing it, actually, I saw it on a Game Nights episode oh, where Jimmy played. I'm coming Brian. for you, Jimmy. <laughs> I know, you're list- I, know, for you. I know you're listening to me. Uh, but yeah, I think Jimmy had it in his Brea deck, and I believe that's actually how he killed the Infect player. I think the Infect player was literally about to kill yeah, him. Yeah, sure. And I think he just started sacking his opters to Brea, and it started vicious shadowing and just dominate. I think they the episode was only like 10 minutes long. Yeah, that's how it's, quick it went. It's, it's um, bonkers. And the way I look at it is swing out with Prosh at player A, then at damage, sack all the Kobolds that Prosh had made, Target vicious shadow damage player B. You could potentially two for one someone. Totally, yeah. Um, and something that you may want to look at once again, if you're trying to look to lower your mana curve, is find a card to cut to maybe put in. Oh, and I'm drawing a blank on the name. The the double damage yeah. enchantments. Yeah, like um, furnace of wrath and yeah, dictate like twin the gods. Flat, yeah, dictate the sure, twin gods. Yeah. Um, so I think any you know something like that to where it's like okay, I want to start making this deck more focused to where it's either prosh or go so, wide. Yeah. I think maybe putting one of those enchantments in there would be a slam dunk. I think, and I yeah, don't think they're that expensive either. That, I think that would be better for if we cut. So I agree. If I was going to make this a token deck, sure. that's what I would put in it for yeah, sure. That's like, totally fair. Because it, it plays also in, on, I don't know if it's on, I don't, I don't have it on any of my lists, I don't think. But the Impact Tremors, yep. the Perforos, I don't have anything. I, I mean, everyone knows what those do anyway. But yeah, that, that, would be a, that would be a good cut if I wanted to do more of like the raid, yeah, if you will. Exactly. So my, well, well technically, <laughs> Vicious Shadows is my last one. So I'll just go ahead and go with my second one is Fires of Yavima. Oh, yeah, sure. Re- really, really like this card. Uh, it's one colorless, red, green. And I think the thing that you'll kind of notice outside of that Vicious Shadows is a lot of the ones that Big Tuck and I are picking are usually a little bit lower on the mana cost mm-hmm. side. Because you know what? If, if you're trying to close out the game, it needs to be something that you can easily get out. So this is an enchantment. Creatures you control have haste. Eh, that's all right. That's cool. But the sacrifice fires of Yavima, target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So initially, a lot of people would look at this as like, this kind of looks like draft fodder, an uncommon. Right. Yep. It's really not that great. But I think it's great flavor for this deck because it could be used for the go wide, make tons of tokens in one turn, swing for lethal. Yep. Or help fuel prosh to one shot someone at any point in the game. Plus, the sacrifice for the plus two, plus two could be done at instant speed. So you could play prosh, get all your tokens, 
swing with everything, and then once you're in the damage phase, sack the fires of Yavima to give Trosh, Trosh that additional plus two, plus two, along with all the other kobolds that you sack, and then you just got an additional two, plus we're able to swing the turn that you played him. I think that's filthy. I think it just kind of <laughs> comes out of left field. It's great. Yeah, so I have a question for you. We were talking about, like, redundancy. Sure. So they just printed a new card, which I know you're familiar with. Uh, I got Rhythm of the Wild. Yeah. yeah. So I also have that in here. Um, it's the same thing, so it's a colorless, a green and a red for an enchantment. Creature spells you control can't be countered, and yep. then non-token creatures you control have riot, so they either get haste or a 1-1. Sure. I have them both in there kind of for the same redundancy. For the haste aspect? For the haste aspect, and the non-token creatures not getting haste isn't sure. as important as Prosh getting haste, Yeah, and it's an enchantment. So I, just I, say, I, I, I don't think it's redundant, and the only reason I say that is because, like I had talked about earlier with, with the, the altars, altars yeah. you don't have a bunch of tutors to go find this right. stuff, so the fact that you just have a kind of double enchantments, that's totally yeah. fine. All right, so I got one more that's not that one. It's a new card that came out recently, and it's called Poison Tip Archer. Okay. So if you look at it, it's new. I think it's from last year's core set. Yep. And it's a 2-3 reach for two colorless, a green, and a black. It's an elf archer. Uh, it's got wreath and death touch. But more importantly, whenever another creature dies, each opponent loses one life. Wow. And this was kind of this was kind of a tough one because I have this, Zolaport Cutthroat, Blood, Blood Artist. Artist, all that stuff. Yeah. I think... I don't know. I, again, it goes back to like the redundancy, but the fact that this is each opponent losing a life. I love that. And it's got reach, and it's got death touch. It can block It can block cheap flyers. Sure. It just seems like it does a lot. Again, I, the looking back into it, it's like, how many more of these effects do you need for sure. this to happen? But, but it, you know I, what? Once again, whenever I build a deck, you want plan A, plan B, and then, and then maybe yeah, plan C. Sure. I don't think your deck has delved into plan D and E and <laughs> F yet. Right, right. So the fact that you are really strong in an A and a B and you're a little bit of C, it's not redundant. The only thing I kind of pish posh about it is that it's a 2-3. Yeah. So yeah, it has reach and death touch, but how many times are you really dying by a single a single flyer it, yeah. you know, or, in the air? And a it, lot of times it's like, oh, I'm going to smack you in the face with my prosh-like flyer. Right, right. Well, he's going to be dying anyways. Right. But it does have death touch, so it can, you can like run him under the bus too if you, if you need Potentially. to. Potentially. So, yeah, I would agree with that. So I have right. so I have one more quick mention that okay. I want to bring up. Um, uh, kind of in the same line of this. So Goblin Bombardment. Oh well, yeah. So everyone knows what it does. It's a colorless and red. You sack a creature. You can ping anything. This yep. card's awesome. This card's almost five dollars now. Whoa! Which makes no sense to me. And I think I it either came in the pre-con or I got it for like thirty cents. So, Here's the thing, though, is that we only play EDH. Yeah, I bet you there's some weird modern or legacy deck that that, probably ha runs that has it and goes yeah. infinite. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to ask uh, one of the guys in our playgroup place top eight. Yeah, at Magic Fast KC. Shout out. Yeah, shout out. Um, he's actually going to be going to Barcelona. I think that's actually coming up. Yeah, uh, pretty soon. Compete over there. So the last one we have is the spice package. Yep. I actually only have one to okay, talk about. Okay. It's uh, there, there, this was of all of the things. This was like a stretch. <laughs> well, uh, I actually, I don't think this one's a stretch at all. Fresh meat. Oh, love this card. Yeah. I've never seen this before. It's 30 cents. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's three colorless and a green. Instant speed. Create a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token for each creature put into your graveyard from the battlefield this turn. This can do one of a billion things. Yep. One, someone board wiped because you were just looking big and scary. All right, I had... Eight things on the battlefield, four mana. Now I got eight, three, three green beasts. Option number two, you have one of your haste enablers, sack a bunch of your kobolds to make Prosh really big, play that. Now all these three, three green beast creature tokens have haste and can swing. Kind of a go wide strategy. Yeah. The last one I like the most swing with Prosh, go to damage, sack your kobolds, and with the Prosh triggers on the stack, 
cast fresh meat, get, get all the three three green bees. And then once that resolves, and now it's Prosh Trigger time, sack, sack all those yeah. dudes, and it's just pound town. Yeah, no, it's... I, I'm, oh, man, that, that, that's a spicy <laughs> meat to bowl. I'm, I'm glad you like I love it. it. It's good. I mean, it just gives you protection. It does everything the deck wants. It's legit across yeah. the board. Um, we don't have to talk about all mine. Okay. Um, I can just well, say... Well, why like, pick your favorite one? Yeah, uh, or I can just run, like, Chandra's Addiction was on there. Oh, okay. Just because you can make Prosh huge and headshot people. Okay. Vicundity is a draw enabler. Uh, even though it's like a global enchantment, but the one that I am interested in hearing the most about is Sapperling Burst. Okay, so Why don't you read that out. So it's it's complicated. <laughs> it's an en- it's another enchantment. It's four colorless and a green. All right, and it has fading seven. So, so can you explain what fading seven sure. is? So it comes in the battlefield with seven fade counters on it. Sure, I think they call it. And then at the beginning of your upkeep. You remove a fade counter. Okay. It. And then when it doesn't have any on it, you bury it. I okay. Think what it okay. Says. Cool. So um, it's it was only in that block, only in Nemesis. Um, and then it says you can remove a counter from it and create a sapling creature that has power and toughness equal to the amount of counters on it. Okay. So when it's gone, you kill all the saplings that were created with it, right? Okay. This deck, when I used to, when I first started playing Magic a gazillion years ago, sapling burst was unbeatable. Really? Because there was very little enchantment removal, okay. and it was really, like, this is before Naturalize even was printed in green, right? So okay. there's no enchantment removal, and it, the util- it was actually restricted in the then-go-to formats, I think, like, Type 2 or Type 1, okay. because it was so good. Uh, the thing I like in here, and this is kind of, this is an argument card, right? Like, sure. I just have a lot of, I had one, I have a lot of yeah, emotional fair, and sentimental fair. investment into it. I was just about to say, I mean, it's just like, basically I look at it as five mana, get seven additional plus one plus zeros for prosh yeah i think there's better cards i totally agree and like the only way it really gets good is if you have like some of the aforementioned token enablers right like if you have a parallel lives or or a second harvest yes totally like that's the really only way it's good that's fair but again it's sacrifice fodder it's hard to get rid of you can sort of swing it it kind of plays into the token themes but it's just like it's just a cute card right it's been in there since i had the deck so so anyways that's that's like this deck I think this is a good deck because there's not really that much to talk about in terms of spices, right? Yeah, like it's yeah, pretty straightforward. Fair. Yeah. There's not any sort of crazy, insane, sure. goofy cards. Like, yeah. we'll it's say it's that, something you could definitely hand to someone that's maybe only played a couple commander games yeah. and they could figure they it could, out. They could figure it out, totally. So, cool. Well, so that's what we kind of had for our brew. The, the next section is actually going to be three recommendations that I have for Big Tuck. And he'll probably even have some after reading the deck because, like he said, he has 40 decks. So he probably sees yeah. this thing four I, times and a I year. And I have three that I would think would make sense too. But yeah, anyway. and basically we picked it in three categories. Uh, and we had to do this just because like <laughs> we talked about in the beginning. First off, no lands can be recommended. That, yep. that was the one thing that we did put a hard fast on. Because of course you could say, hey, why, why don't you have Badlands? Or Taiga. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, come on, what are you doing? Go, go spend a couple grand. And so we said no lands. And then also we wanted to have dollar categories, at least for a couple of them. Because of course you could say, yeah, put Imperial Seal in here. What, what are you doing, yeah. bud? Yeah, it's go, just, go spend $900. Right. Uh, so we did an under five, under 50, and then just a personal recommendation. Now, the personal recommendation does not have a dollar limit on it, but it's more a recommendation that me, uh, I would give to Sam, knowing probably how much money he would spend on a card potentially or totally. look for trade. So, yeah, Big Tech, why don't you start with your under $5 swap? So this was, I have an actual recommendation and then one that's like sort of cheating. For me, it's overrun. I think the card's okay. Sure. Right, so two colorless, three green. Creatures you control get plus three, plus three, and gain trample until end of turn. Okay. So I think it's good, but I think 
Garouk is better, right? Okay. Because you, you can do that multiple times with him, and it does literally the exact same thing. And again, it kind of goes back to like what we want to play, right? Because the, sure. the card I would cut for that was under $5 is Overwhelming Stampede. Which does the same thing. It gives your creature, it buffs your creatures, but it gives them plus X plus X, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Sure. As sure. opposed to just plus three plus three. Yeah, and usually Prosh is a big bad. Right. And you so. and like I said, you have those battle like again, referencing a card earlier, Deathbringer Thoctor. Sure. It could be massive, you know, you could get everything. So I think that's probably just better. Yeah, the only one I would say maybe to look at it is technically three bucks over the five dollar yeah. budget, but try them for the horse. Yeah, I had that, I had that here. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. So the two colorless green green until end of turn creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain trample and infect yeah it's more, so, more it's because so good. usually you could just one shot someone with prosh even though that's he's already doing that right even if you only had a few tokens you'll no, just kill I t- someone i totally so. agree it was on here and like if this was like i didn't want to talk about each card every yep. time yep. but if this had more budget crater hoof does a better oh, version yeah, of this absolutely. right like so so okay, it's fair that's that's probably what i would cut for so, under five so my under five dollars is swap the signets for talisman yeah it's it's uh, it's a windmill slam yeah, slam yeah, dunk. It, There's it, no, it just yeah. needs to be done you know it, it's basically if, if you're not familiar a signet is too colorless uh, it's an artifact and there's a battlefield untapped but you have to pay a, a colorless or any color into it tap it and then you get a guild set in in big tux case it would be rakdos you know red black yep what a talisman does is two colorless enters the battlefield untap it's an artifact but you can tap it for a colorless for free think uh you know i'm trying to think of another artifact that probably like a mind stone mind stone thank you uh or you could tap it for your guild colors for this example i'll say rakdos red or black and take one damage the, the reason that's a better fit is just because you could potentially, you know, maybe you didn't get that turn one soul ring, but you had a uh, talisman in hand. Okay, well, I'll play that turn two. Ooh, I just talked deck a soul ring. Yeah. Now I can, like, do this into this, and, and, it, and it just gives you mana to use I, the turn. I just you think play it's better. It. And, like, again, the, the yeah. life is irrelevant, right? Like, life, t- life is a resource. Until the uh, rules committee makes uh, commander life totals 30 instead of 40, <laughs> yeah. I'm not worried about no, it. No, I completely agree. That it's You're right. It, I just think Signets, since they've now printed the entire run of talismans yep i think signets are going to go down in a lot of decks right? I, I, like, I totally agree it's better it, like it's just better it, it's just better yeah, yeah no, and, and i think I if agree, you go buy a modern horizon pack uh i have unfortunately spent many a dollar on so packs. you'll just get so i can just buy these from you uh, probably okay. I, I think i have a stack of like 25 uh <laughs> but you know I, I would say i've seen probably a talisman of course this is uh mr combo number five's just guess but i've probably seen one in every two packs Three yeah, tops. I bet. You know, I'd, I'd say when I get a blister, uh, I'm always getting one or one two. One or two, yeah. So, I, yeah, I think, we, and we were talking inside baseball, we were talking about this earlier, and it, I think it just makes sense. Yeah. It's just, um, they're just better. So, my under 50, now I didn't know what card to cut. I, I didn't say specifically anything okay. there, but I think you need to look at Tooth and Nail. Yeah, I think there's a lot that goes into that. It, it, um, it's 20 bucks, so it's actually way under the $50 wow. budget. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's really not I, that did bad. Did it go down? I, I don't know. Huh. Here's why I think it. It's because Prosh is going to be getting picked on left yeah. and right, or your tokens are going to get picked on left and right. So what you can do in game, okay, well, I got Prosh out here, but man, I got like no tokens, or I can't really just beat through, and I don't have my Xenagos God of Revels, and yeah. I don't have my Atarka World Render. Well, 
How about some nine mana? Let me just get both of those yep. guys because, you know, the important thing that Xenagos God of Revels is for everyone out there <clears throat> is he's a enchantment creature. Yep. So what Tooth and Nail does is five colorless green green sorcery speed. Search your library for up to two creature cards and put them into your hand. But the important text is two colorless and you can entwine, which or sorry, I'll go a step back. You can either search your library for two creature cards, put them into your hand or put two creature cards from yeah. your hand straight to the battlefield. But you can basically pay two additional colorless. So instead of five colorless, it's seven and you get to do both effects. So go tutor for two creatures and then put two creatures from your hand straight to the battlefield. That is just broken. Yeah, Xenagos totally. is going to give him haste and double his power and toughness. Uh, Artarka is going to give him double strike. So if for some reason you're going to have to get around like some beaters and maybe yep. Prosh has trample or maybe it's a, hey, I'm going to give Prosh the double strike, but actually I'm going to use Zinagos' haste and X ability on Artarka. No, I yeah, I make make that a twelve eight, you know, double. Oh man, double strike guy. Like that's just filthy. It's huge, yeah. And like, and even then, like, even if those are already gone, you can still like that still goes gets your you know Zolport Cutthroats, Blood Artist. Sure. Just just getting those two for free. You know, Grave Titan is another great one to grab out of that. So I can yeah, I never even thought about that to be honest with you. But yeah, it's real. It would be really good. So would you cut Primal Command for that because it's a roughly the same. Oh, it's a little bit more expensive. You know, what What I may end up cutting, and I see this is actually listed in your cut section. Now, granted, uh, I've been, this whole whole podcast, I've been talking about lowering your mana curve, and all this would do is dramatically increase <laughs> it. Uh, but I would probably cut Ophiomancer yeah. for it. I don't like that card let's talk, that Let's much. talk Ophiomancer, because that's my next one. Oh, okay. Next one well, on well there, there you go. Yeah, I think, I mean, also, interestingly enough, it's also $20 now. For some oh, reason. Oh, so you're saying you could trade someone a tooth and nail for, <laughs> for your a field answer? Oh, hacked. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't think it does. I think the card when you read it. So for those playing the home game, a field answer is a two colors and a and a black for a two two human shaman. Um, at the beginning of each upkeep, if you control no snakes, put a one one black snake creature token with that touch onto the battlefield. Best case, it's getting you one. Yeah, and be, and like best case scenario, this is best case scenario. You have some way to sacrifice it, and you can ping people. But it's like it's not or like ping people with um, Xenagos. Best or, case or scenario, Perfernos. this is a garbage card. Yeah, I mean, I, unless you're getting like multiple upkeeps to where you can respond to the triggers, but your right. deck's not doing upkeep shenanigans. Yeah, totally, and, and that's not the deck yeah, it is. Yeah, so yeah, get it out. I think I think so. The one I would cut it for okay. is, is actually Bitter Blossom. Oh, oh, so. Oh. Uh, I have a foil. Yeah, one I'm, not of those gonna, if I'm not going to. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to trade me. you for that. I'll trade you that. Uh, a field answer for it. Yeah, I'll pass. How about that? Uh, I, I got one of those sitting on my uh, basement floor right now. I did not know it was fifteen or twenty dollars. What the field answer? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. So, anyways, Bitter Blossom, most people here should know about it. It's a uh, colorless and a black for a tribal enchantment fairy, which doesn't matter. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose a life and create a one-one black fairy rogue creature with Token. flying. Yep. Yeah. I, it's just better. Yeah. Like yeah, every absolutely. turn you get it. The only, the and only, you're making flyers. Correct. So if you ever do your go wide strategy, it's going to be harder to block. Right. And it, I mean, it. yeah, it's like, it's just a better card. It's just, it, that would be, if I had 30 bucks lying around, I would just buy that and put it in. Sure. It's, sure. it's just better. Yeah. Um, totally. I, I don't know why Ophium Answer is so expensive. I mean, it's, it's I'm really sure it's good. modern play. Yeah. And like, it's really good in like a Hepatra deck. Yeah, that cares I about guess. it, but like what? Like it's, it's that's not the deck for it. So what did what did you think for personal the, recommendation? Yeah, <laughs> get Crux of Fate out of here. Boom. Garbage card. <laughs> okay, so here's my thing. You, you got three total dragons in the deck, including sure. your commander. Our meta 
has very few dragon tribal to really begin with. So the destroy dragons part is not relevant at all. It's not like you'll ever pick the destroy dragons. Uh -huh. So you just say destroy non-dragons. So you're paying five mana to just keep your prosh. I would go Toxic Deluge instead. Yeah, I mean... It's lowering your curve. Budget, you know, expense-wise, I, I don't believe it's that expensive of a card. I think uh, it's like 20 bucks. Uh, let me... Uh, but it's not like... A, it's not 100, yeah, right? 20, yeah, $25. Yeah. And we've been talking about life's a resource. Yeah, it doesn't... Plus, you could keep Prosh alive by doing minus four. Right. And I still think, especially with our playgroup, it's not like anyone's ever had a board of five or six beaters. Yeah, And the only true, time yeah. that happens is our, our buddy that's actually moving away next week, uh, he has a dragon tribal deck, but then if you're saying non-dragons, they stick around. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that would well, be and, my... Well, and our new, our new red-headed friend has a dragon deck too, yep, right? But yep. like, I, I agree. I pretty much agree with that. Um, I probably... It's a great cut. I probably won't do it. Oh, sure, it's not sure. Worth the money, but I agree. I agree. Life's a resource. Even if you are playing against a dragon deck, it just Toxic Deluge does more. You can clear the way if they, if again, to your point earlier of like the Thopters, you can clear Thopters out for two mana less. And you play against me, and I tend to play, uh, you know, things called Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah, and it can, yes. it can get rid of that. True, um, you know, yeah. It can get rid of those indestructible, you know, my Karametra. You know, a lot of times I never swing with her, but sometimes I do. Right. And also I have a lot of Avacyn Angel of Hopes, kind of yeah. makes everything yeah. indestructible. Yeah, no, So, no. you know, it, it just gives you a little bit more versatility. And lowers that curve to where it's like, crap, man, this board wipe's really not going to do anything. Right. Now you can do something. Now you can do something. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I See, that's surprising because I thought you would have won. So I also cheated and I have two cuts as well. Oh, my God. So I'm surprised you didn't go with either one of these. So the first one is cutting second harvest for doubling season. Oh, well. So it's like, again, duh, it's, yeah, right? Duh. So second yeah. harvest, I, it's, it's kind of a pet card of mine, too. I like it. Sure. So two colorless, two green. For each token you control, put a token on the battlefield that's a copy of that token, or that permanent, rather. Um, it, it's, okay. it's okay. And, like, again, if you do it with, like, the fresh meat, you can get, like, a gazillion three sure. threes. And, like, but it, it's also, it's kind of, it's sort of counterintuitive to the play of sacrificing tokens, right? Sure. So generally... You either he have all your tokens and just swing out and win, sure. or you're trying to sacrifice them and deal damage and, and fuel sure. other things. So yeah. totally get and doubling season for for anyone that's not oh, yeah. familiar <laughs> for the four, two people out there yeah. haven't heard of it. Uh, four colorless green enchantment. If an effect would create one or more tokens, it creates twice that many. And if it, an effect would create one or more counters on a permanent you control, it does twice that many. Yeah. So so it feeds the tokens, it feeds the prosh. If you ever do the plus one plus one counters kind of right. theme with it, I agree. That that's a I actually thought of that. That one first and i was like no i need to get more creative than that <laughs> yeah it's just really good and like i have things in here um primal vigor effectively does the same thing sure. but again with the redundancy i have no tutors outside of liliana to go get an enchantment yep. so like being able to top deck a doubling season and again doubling season also pays into when you cast prosh and you get double that and like the chance of headshotting someone it's sure. just it would just be a better card yep and then so for everyone out there i do not like playing super competitive but if i was Easiest cut, easiest cut. Audios, Astronauts, Altar, Hello Food Chain. Does <laughs> yep. the exact same thing, does better. And wins. And wins. And just like yeah. the, the so, deck, so the can, deck can crush. Can you quickly explain why Food Chain wins sure. just instantly? So Food Chain, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily win instantly. It just like locks the game out. So Food Chain is a two colorless and a green enchantment. Exiled creature you control at X of any one color where X is one plus the exiled creature's converted mana cost. Spend this money only to cast creature spells. So in this deck, you cast Prosh. 
all the tokens will still, you sacrifice, you exile them, which doesn't matter. Um, and then you will get one mana for each one of them, right? So on the first, ca on the first casting of Prosh, you sacrifice all the tokens. You have six mana right there of any color combination. Then you sacrifice Prosh. That gives you seven. Uh, no, and actually, I was I was rereading this. It's CMC, so Prosh would actually oh, give you, there you Prosh go. would give you seven on its own. Yes. So it's thirteen, which is enough to cast Prosh again. And, and so, and that's why I said it's basically an instant win because if yeah. you have impact trimmers, perforos, anything, if you have any type of the, the, uh, haste the, enabler, or the you, like the Falcon Wrath Noble or effects like the or yeah. the Poison Tip Archer, because basically for everyone out there, you create infinite kobolds, you get infinite enter the battlefields with Prosh. And you just nuke yeah. everyone. And infinite, infinite enter and leave. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, it's food chains. It's probably in, like, 70% of Prosh decks. It's yeah. just so good. The only way I could really, like, sleep at night if it was in here is because I don't really have any way to go find it. Mm -hmm. So it would have to be kind of happenstance to sure. build it. But, again, super easy. National Altar's out. Or for either one of the altars, this is in. So, but I think that's kind of... Is kinda that it the, for the yeah, cuts? Yeah, I think that's it. So that's pretty much our deck tech. Uh, you know, I really hope this was helpful for anyone that was looking for maybe a different take on Prosh, because probably most of them that you hear are the ultra-competitive styles. Yeah, totally. So what we kind of wanted to do for the last section is just do some closing thoughts on what's going on in the world of Magic yep. right now. This could really be anything, but obviously we're going to talk about this god-awful ban list! Best thing ever. Oh my I'm god. I'm so excited. Kill me today, it's the, it's, right now. It's like, I when I saw this come through, I was so excited. I, Why I, were you excited? Do you hate me? Are you glad that I lost $100 maybe, on my Masterpiece Paradox maybe, engine? Wait, is that how much it dropped? Yes, it was $250. <laughs> it's now $140. Well, that's your fault for buying Masterpieces. I didn't buy it for that, but I was. I wish I could have sold it at least. Well, anyway, can we talk about another banning real fast before sure. we dive into this? So, they, in Modern, they banned Bridge From Below, which is not a big deal. But it is to me because Bridge from Below used to be like a chase rare, and I opened one in my fucking Ultimate Masters box. And then, right when Hogath came out, that deck became huge and it skyrocketed like $10. And then I was like, I was literally thinking, like, I'm just going to post this and see if I can just offload it. And I was like, oh, I'll get to it later. Then, literally, it came down and now it's back to like fucking pennies. And it's, the card sucks. It's not, I mean, it doesn't suck. It's horrible in Commander. It doesn't do anything. So, how do you feel about having a $25 card worth a quarter versus? Versus a $250 card worth $140. You bought that. I opened this one. All right, oh. so let's get Anyways, into it. Anyways, okay. So, so ban list came out, and, and basically... There were, three, you know, there were three changes. Yeah, and here's the thing, guys. By the time this comes out, it's probably going to be irrelevant. But also, every other podcast has already done a ban argument. Yeah. So really, I think what we want to do here is we're just going to say what the bans are. We'll kind of just give you like our 30-second quick thoughts. But what I thought I would do, because I was the most affected by this, I have roughly 24 to 28 decks. I, I don't know, somewhere in there. I, I have an addiction. But I had six decks that I actually had to cut, cut Paradox and Iona out of. And I even had Iona as a maybe for two other decks. So it effectively affected 33% of my decks. And I think Big Tuck can agree that there was probably only one deck that annoyed him that I had Paradox Engine in, and we'll get to that. But I'll start off. Iona, Shield of Emeria got banned. White, 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 six colorless. When Iona enters the battlefield, pick a color. Your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. Look, the rules committee banned it because they said it creates an unfun gameplay for one person or for everyone at the table. It's not an immediate win. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Here's the reason I'm upset. I agree it. with the rules committee. No, I want, no. It on, I want it on. I want it on record. Here, here's the reason I disagree with it is just mainly because most EDH decks are more than one color. 
You know, really, a lot of people that do the single color are doing the path to 32. And you know what? There's a lot of other stuff that kind of can hose a single color. Or um, hose, like, the argument can also be made that, like, there's decks that can just hose, there's cards that can just hose any specific deck. Correct, right? like, correct. That exists. And, and Iona cost nine, and I know part of their logic was, like, well, she could be cheated out. Well, anything could be cheated out. Talk about Flash Hulk and CEDH. Right. Like, a lot of people were surprised Flash wasn't banned, because once they made Protean Hulk unbanned, uh, unbanned yeah. you could turn zero Flash Hulk but, and But, like, just, Flash, but, like, I think the counter-argument I'd have to that is, like, Flash Hulk ends the game, you shuffle up and you go and do something else, right? Iona, like, I've been on the other side where I was playing a monocolor deck and someone played Iona, and but no that's one... that's the only time it affects you is when you're playing a monocolor deck. It always affects you. It's always, a, one, it's always a one-sided effect, right? So, I, like, Iona, I'm little, I'm less on my high Fair. horse on. I think the argument of it being so high-costed is a valid one, right? Yeah. It's super expensive, but... but in real life, when you cheated that card out with Kalia deck last week, like that happened, right? And I, gu- I guarantee that deck is being played in enough decks that can cheat deck. Like, I guarantee 90% of the card of the decks that run that card are not going to hardcast it, right? And the last thing I'll say is when you play that card, it doesn't end the game. Sure, sure. It just it just stops okay. it. That, so that's, I, that's fair. I can see, I can kind of see I can see both sides of that. One, sure. Right. Well, why, why don't you talk about the next one? Okay. So this was exciting. Paradox Engine finally got the ban it needed. It only took them to print a broken commander to come to their fucking senses and get this card out of here. I hate this card. It it drives me insane. And it goes into every deck, any deck that runs four or more mana rocks, which most decks do. The deck just it just goes off. Yeah, and and that's where I disagree because. Four more mana rocks, that's assuming you have to have all four of those mana rocks out and you have to have Paradox Engine. That means you're already playing a very tuned, competitive, tutored deck. I would say anything that has tap effects of 20 or more, you want to run Paradox Engine because then at least you're going to get it somewhere. But you could still run it in, like, for example, for you, example, you could run it in a two in, artifact. In any deck. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, and the biggest thing for me is it turns the game into solitaire. People who have that card out take like 20 minute turns and a lot of times they don't even win the game so okay that's fair um and we'll talk a little bit about that because one of my decks is the one that's guilty of doing that half hour turn with no immediate win inside which one Uh, there's two i can think of just yidris i've seen you also do this in kozlik as well where you just took like a 30 minute turn because you haven't had Paradox Engine and a bunch of artifacts SOB, in it. I totally forgot it's in there. Well, I got to pull another card now. No way. <laughs> it wasn't totally in that forgot. one? I don't think it is. It is. I've seen it happen. Oh, anyway. I know it was in your blue one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. So then the last, they did unban one oh, card. Yeah, yeah. Painter Servant. I think that was stupid. All the podcasts I've listened to, it sounds like every interaction he does is make one person lose immediately or make you unbeatable. Uh, the one that I'm gonna do is Animar. I'm gonna put it in my Animar deck, play him for free, get a counter on Animar. Hey, everything's white now. Can't yeah. block Animar. I'm just gonna start one-shotting people one at a time. Yeah. But then there's like Grindstone. Yeah, that's a grind, that's a combo. And it's, you know, yeah. and I almost feel like the only reason Painter Server got unbanned is because like, Iona, Iona yeah. got banned. So the inside baseball I was reading about this is that those two bannings happened because the next set of commander decks that they're gonna print are all gonna be monocolored. Oh, why would Paradox Engine get banned? I think that was just, I, I don't, yeah, I think I don't that, think that I think was, a, rela- I don't think that was a reflection related. of Urza. I think they yeah. were like, wait, Urza gets printed. This is an immediate tier one CEDH deck right. because of Paradox Engine. We don't like that, which, you know what? I think that's ridiculous. But you know what? Hey, anyways. Uh, I'm on, I'm on board, but I think that's why, I think that's why potentially the Painter Servant and Iona got banned. It's because sure. the next round could be 
monocolored commander well, decks. Well, Server got unbanned. Unbanned, yes, right. Iona banned. Um, yeah, those those band switchings happening because I think they're going to be mono, uh, mono, and like mono color matters. Okay, okay. Hey, you know what? Uh, so that's, let's, that's what, let's see. Yeah, let's. See. That's that's what I read somewhere, and like that's what makes sense. Yeah, with those. That's but, fair. Yeah, I don't so, know. So here's basically my decks that were affected, and I've already swapped them out, and so I'll be interested to hear what your thoughts are uh, on you know if I if I made the right choice. So in my Kalia deck, if anyone's not familiar with Kalia the Vast, she is. What's her color? Why is it in that deck? Uh, well, no, Iona's in that deck. Oh, you're talking about Iona. Oh, I'm talking okay. about all of them. Everyone. Just, okay, so yeah. Iona, there was two, right? Yeah, so, well, Kalia the Vast, yep. uh, I had Iona Shield of Amirian. Kalia basically says when she attacks, you can cheat out an angel, demon, or dragon. So a lot of times, turn three, I cheat and that, out and, Iona. And that's the deck, like, that. I feel like that's like the exact deck that they banned. But that's one, that's one commander. I know, but it's so. also one of the most popular commanders that's played. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I replaced it <laughs> with uh, a card called uh, Shield by Faith. Believe uh, that. Yep, shield, shielded by faith. Um, it's an enchant, enchantment, enchant creature. Enchanted creature has indestructible. It's one colorless, white, white. Uh, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may attach shielded by faith to that creature. So the biggest issue in a Kalia deck is a lot of times Kalia gets targeted. She yeah. tries to get removed. Yeah. So this is a cheap way to protect her. But it's also a great way to where if I'm like maybe like a little color screwed in the beginning. I can attach it to something else, and then once I yeah. cast Kalia, it move it back. over to her. Yeah. Um, I think you know, it's good. I think it's good. Yeah, I, I ended up, I ended up getting one, and I bought a couple of the uh, Gideon Jura spell yeah. books, so I, I got one out of that. Nice. So. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Cool. Feather the Redeemed. <laughs> Everyone knows this card. It's the best <laughs> Boros commander that exists. Basically, Feather has a text that reads: If any of your creatures get targeted by a instant or sorcery that you control, you exile that spell as it resolves, and it goes back to your hand. So basically, all the garbage cantrips yeah, draw, and draft water like just became great and actually i was wanting to put this card in there anyway so i had paradox engine in there mainly because you could swing with feather do a bunch of stuff do your cantrips on the other turns but then you can untap your creatures for blockers it wasn't anything broken it just let me have blocker it basically gave them vigilance and that's what it was used for so i went ahead and replaced it though with path to exile i didn't have that card in there when i built the deck did you replace it with the overload path to exile no no i actually put real path to exile oh okay gotcha no the overload path to exile is on my slivers deck right i love that yeah no I, i put og path the exile in there the only reason it wasn't in the deck before was because i knew that it was going to be in the gideon spell book and i didn't want to buy a redundant copy so i was like well yeah. i'll just wait till i finally get it yeah, it's expensive, and, and, so. it, and it just kind of worked out to oh paradox got banned i'll just make that easy swap sure yep uh the Makes next sense. one is the one that i know paradox was annoying in is my yidris maelstrom wielder deck it's Paradox a, is in every copy of that. Every command, every yeah, person who has that and has put uh, any it, semblance it, of thought into it, it has It's it. basically all colors except for white. It's a 5-4 with trample. And then when he deals combat damage in your next main phase, every spell you cast has Cascade. <clears throat> yeah. And so basically, if you don't know what Cascade is, whenever you cast a spell, you get to exile cards from the top of your library to exile a card with CMC less than that particular spell. And then you cast it for free. So with Paradox Engine, you have your Manor Ox, you tap yeah, you them, just ca- you cast, cast a spell, like, then they untap off the Cascade Trigger. And then and, sh- and then whoever's playing that deck takes a 40-minute turn and doesn't win the game. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, though, so I, I didn't have like an instant win to say, okay, this happens. But a lot of times the way that I would win in that game, and, and I would go through the mechanics because I don't want to just say, hey, I play everything, is I would eventually get to Maelstrom Wanderer. All my creatures have haste, and then yeah, and you then just kind of swing yeah. and beat face. Um, I get it. It was annoying. But I replaced it with a card that I think is going to work out pretty well, Sword.
Sword of Sinew and Steel. Oh, the new one, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, three colorless. It's one of the swords. It gets protection from black and red. And whenever uh, that creature deals combat damage to a player, destroy up to one artifact and or up to one planeswalker. I thought that was a slam yeah, dunk I think so. because my commander wants to swing anyways, and I have to get damage through for the cascade. So it's like yeah. he gets a little bit of protection, but then I look through my removal, and it's iffy because it's it is a chaos deck. I don't yeah, know yeah. what that what the heck I'm gonna get. So no, I think that's yeah, that, I think that's a good cut. Again, it's I think now now more than ever that deck hinges on the cascade. Correct. So being able to get him through, being able to protect them. Yep. It's yeah. I think that I think Simple. that adds up. Yep. Here's the one that I think you're going to be confused about. I'm even confused. I did it. So in my Karametra deck, as I mentioned earlier, it's an Angel Elves kind of themed tribal deck, which that'll probably be our next segment that we'll do for uh, brews and builds. But I had Iona in that because she's an angel. It fit. Mm -hmm. So I replaced it with an Ugin the Spirit Dragon. If you're not familiar with Ugin, that is a colorless planeswalker. And usually what he's known for is his minus X ability, which it's minus X, yep. exile each permanent with CMC X or less. That's one or more colors. Why the hell would you put that in a deck filled with colors? So the reason I did is because that deck's filled with mana dorks for blockers, Karametra's and indestructible. I ramp up real, real quick. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of times where I play every single land in my deck, and I still lose, and it's just it just happens. The reason <laughs> I have like it in happens. here is actually for the ultimate, because it only takes two Optics, activations yeah. to ultimate. Uh, it starts at seven loyalty. His plus two, it deals three damage to target creature or player, so it can be used for some spot removal. But minus ten, gain seven life. Who cares? Draw seven cards, love that. Yep. Then put up to seven permanent from my hand straight to the battlefield. Oh, you know, I have cards in that deck like uh, Gisela the Broken Blade and her melding partner. Yeah. So let's just create <laughs> let's just this create massive beater. Uh, I also have the... Um, well, and you already have two... This effectively does tooth and nail, which you already have in it, right? Correct, so it's correct. like, again, it's like talking about like redundancy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's colorless. I know sure. it won't really impact Karametra's uh, devotion, mm -hmm. but I figured, you know, I ended up getting it, the one from the most recent... Masters Edition, so I swapped that in my Attracts a Planeswalker deck, so I just had an extra sure. one, and I sat there thinking, I was like, well, I could put Lanowar Tribe in there, that is an elf, <laughs> but I, I don't necessarily need the Brothers Trio. Yeah, and, and, so. I mean, it's just a good card, right? Yeah. Like, it can go, that deck, that card goes in every deck, yep, yep. and it's like, if, if you get stymied, it's a board wipe, it can hit damage, sure. yeah, it's it's got a lot, it's got a lot of reach. So, my, my next one is my Persistent Petitioners deck, which is actually an Azuri Claw of Progress for, as the commander, and if you're not from familiar with persistent partitioners you can have as many of them in your deck as you want i believe it's just one colorless of blue yep. and their big effect is tap four of them makes one mill 12 please tell me you cut paradox engine and put in another persistent partitioner. no no oh! i didn't so i would have done that but remember i foiled every persistent partitioner oh, i don't have yeah, another right. foil. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, so i did cut paradox engine because the nice thing with that is you'd cast a partitioner if you have four tap them yeah um, no. and then you mill and then you play another one and with thrumming stone yeah, yeah you, you just kill everyone goes, yeah. so one issue I do have in that deck, though, and, and I've actually never been able to do that paradox effect, uh, but the one issue I have is since they cost so little and I wanted to make it as many persistent partitioners as possible, I don't have a lot of card draw. So a lot mm -hmm. of times I end up dumping my hand. And then you're it's like, well, there, I'm just yeah. top deck. I did have just a future site laying around oh, yeah, from Modern sure. Horizons. Slam dunk. It's uh, three blue, two colorless. Uh, you may look at the top uh, card of your library at any time, and you may play the top card of your library as well. And the important thing about play is if I didn't do a land from my hand that turn, I could play a land off the top to maybe get to another partitioner. Yeah, and, and also you kind of, again, since you had it lying around, that makes sense. Um, the yeah. only one, if I if I make a suggestion, there's a card called Recurring Insight. Okay. Um, it's... 
Crazy card draw, so I'm looking and I'm trying to find it right now. Four colorless, two blue. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in a target opponent's hand and has rebound. Oh. So it's a good way to fill your hand up and then fill it up again. I, it's And the, the thing that's good, the, the sort of thing that's crazy about Future Sight is you could, if you don't like the card on the top of your library, you could mill yourself. Oh, mill yeah. it, And then figure did, out the I next one. I didn't even think yeah. of that. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, okay. like, I mean, again, it gets back to the point of like what, like, that card has a lot of utility. Is generally very good. So yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good cut, especially if you cool. just had line around. Um, and then the last one, because I totally forgot that there probably is Paradox Engine in my Kozilek deck. Don't know. Uh, actually, I already know because I, I think I ordered a card for that. It's it's that new one from M20 where it deals with colorless spells. Oh, the Forge. Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I like I uh, Epic there. Experiment, but the Forge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so my so that's Empress, an easy cut. Yeah. So this is my mono blue deck. It's my Empress Galena deck. Empress Galena is basically a steal everything mm-hmm. type deal. I had Paradox Engine in there mainly just because it allows me to untap Empress Galena and then I could steal one yeah. more thing. Um, it wasn't any type of twenty minute turn. <laughs> no, that's what you value. have. That's what that's what you have Monolith and, and Power Artifact in for. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, but you know, I sat there and I was like, well, I did pull like three or four of these in my Modern Horizons packs. Let's put Force of Negation in there. Yeah, I already got Force of Will. I already got Mana Drain. <laughs> I already got Swan Song. I got Disallow. I got Counter. Spell. Why, so why not, why add, why another why not add another one? <laughs> I really hope that I see that deck turn where it's like you end up exiling a counter spell with force of negation. Oh, absolutely. To, that would be amazing. So yeah. yeah, I think I like again. It gets back like. Well, and honestly, it, it I works want, with the deck. I it's, want it to stay on theme. I want yeah. to steal stuff, and I don't have. I think I have all the good steal stuff creatures. The only thing I maybe could have put in there was Spark Double to create another yeah, copy Spark of Empress Galena. Do you? I assume you have Desertion in there, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's what I was gonna say. It's like Desertion could be one. For mono blue, I mean, because you already have Vindal- Vindalkin Shackles, like you said. Yeah, like, I, I got I got all the the yeah. OG so ones, I just built the deck. Maybe and, and last again, you had them lying around. I think that's an easy. I think yeah, that's that, an that, easy. So that's easy one of the nice things it, yeah. I like about. I know people say don't crack boxes for value, crack it for fun. And we've started doing that whenever yeah. me, me or Big Tut get a box, we'll uh, have a bunch of guys over, get get super hammered, and just draft, draft a bunch for of like cards. three hours. Yeah, straight, it, yeah. It, it's, it's just a blast. A, yeah, it's great. But then you have the cards laying around for when a random ban destroys your world and makes all your cards worth nothing, and you just contemplate what you're doing with your life. <laughs> your now you have a replacement. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's pretty much what I had for closing in the world of Magic with the ban list. And the yeah. effect on me. Uh, Big Tuck, did you have any last thoughts before we uh, send our viewers off? Not really. I mean, I, like I said, I think it's, I am all for this band. The Iona one is not as big a deal. Like, I could see that going either way, and, and maybe we'll see that it's a monocolor. Paradox Engine just grinds games to a halt. I've never had one, so I don't have, a, I don't have any skin in that game. But I'm putting, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's gone. I'm, it, I'm guessing there may be a day that Iona gets unbanned. But I'm thinking Paradox Engine is going to be one of those ones that's just going to be... Be there forever. Yeah, be there forever. It's, well, it's it, pretty good. If yeah. anyone out there listening wants to pay original value for those uh, Paradox <laughs> Engines, I got like six non-masterpieces. I got one masterpiece. Cut you a great deal. Just, you know, five, six hundred dollars. So you could so take it from your trade binder. They could just put it directly into theirs. Yes, yes. That's, <laughs> that's what I think it's going to be. So Cool. All right. Cool, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for making it until the end. Please leave us feedback on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. If we totally suck, please let the roasting begin. I, I could use a good cry. But if you enjoyed it, feel free to leave some positive feedback and a whatever star review makes others want to listen to us as well. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us here, here's how you do it. You can reach me at Mr. Combo Number 5 on Twitter. You can reach our main page on Twitter as well at CMD Tower, or go to our website, www.cmdtower.com. Big Tuck, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they do that? You can't. <laughs> Fair enough. He's a cave troll, people. We don't know what to do. If you want to engage our awesome production team for any of your future projects, Squee McGee, how would they reach you? 
Oh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Rich Chaos Records. Awesome. But basically, Squee, you know, him and, and his group, they do music, podcasts. They have a complete full studio. So if you are in, like, the KC area and you want to come strum guitars and, and hit drum-like things... You can do yeah. that. We also we also have a game, uh, group that meets up pretty regularly. So oh, you can, absolutely. You can, you can contact Mr. Combo number five if uh, you want some more details into yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, we're really hoping this uh, play group, like I said, we're at 12 or 15 every Sunday now. We'd like it to get it to 50 or 60 to where one of us has to quit our job and just open up a comic <laughs> book store just for Sundays. Or so, maybe a brewery. Or maybe a brewery. So, well, hey, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for making it till the end. And uh, until next time, talk to you later. Catch you later. Catch you later.